Welcome to the TNA Top 10. We just experienced the best weekend yet of the 2023 season. Number six played number nine and they went down to the final second. Two ACC rivals went into overtime to find a winner. Some teams keep plugging along against nobodies. Some teams keep starting slow in the first half and taking over in the second half. We're four games into the season for most teams. Where do we see the conference? We'll talk all about what all the coaches had to say before and after the game. Andrew, I don't have a clue what might be on your mind. Why don't you tell me? All right, Terry. We're here after week four, and I've already got to do it. What in the world was Notre Dame doing Saturday night? We're going to talk all about the football game and the seven opportunities they had to end that motherfucker on the final drive. But they couldn't get it done. They couldn't get it done against Ohio State. Totally had Marvin Harrison shut down. He was not a factor in that final drive until, well, he caught one pass. Excuse me. But you had 10 guys on the field for the last two fucking plays of the game. Are you kidding me? You have got to be kidding me because Notre Dame had its best chance for a signature win in years. I mean years, and once again fell flat on their face, and of course the beneficiary of it had to be fucking Ohio State. So, before we get too far into the analysis, let's just close it with church. Fuck Ohio State, today, tomorrow, forever. Amen. As Terry does the side of the cross. <laughs> <laughs> Normally we don't say those words when we do it, but sure. Okay, I had sure. no idea I mean, yeah. what you were going to talk about today. You know, I threw it out there to you. Surely you got something on your mind. That ended up being it. Yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I really enjoyed that game. But you're right. There were some missed opportunities. And ten, what I heard from, you know, after the game, what I hear is he said, well, we had 10 guys on the field. We were afraid to get an offside penalty, so we didn't run the other guy out it's like an offside penalty from what the two or the one is going to get you yeah what difference does it make half yeah. the distance to the goal I, I don't maybe i need to look into that more but that that makes no logical sense at all and nope. honestly look i mean i i see that as a big win for ohio state i think notre dame's good i think they're normally smart they are consistent they've got a good quarterback um, but yeah, that was, um, that's lost opportunity, right? Just think how big that win could be for Notre Dame. And they haven't had one. They, they haven't right. had one that big. And I don't care what anybody says. It's been a long time since Notre Dame had a signature win. If you can beat the Buckeyes and you did it in your house there at Fort Bend, that's, that's an awesome accomplishment for this young coach and administration here. But this is what I will say about, uh, your commentary on Notre Dame. Ohio State did not beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame beat Notre Dame. Yeah. Notre Dame was the much more physical, physically minded defensive football team. Okay, Lou. They had, they had seven opportunities, seven opportunities to close that thing down. They had three third downs, two fourth downs. And a damn two uh, interception that missed and uh, the sack the quarterback. I mean, they could have closed that out, and they didn't get the job done, unfortunately. But 
as our listeners will find out soon enough, a loss against Ohio State really didn't hurt Notre Dame in our minds. Well, since you brought it up, we're going to do things a little bit differently this week. Um, But before we get going on that, let me explain our process a little bit. And we've seen some weird results when we put our stuff together. Okay. And they're getting questioned by the (laughs) 11 people that know we have a Twitter account. That's the worst part. Yeah, you want to know how nerdy I am? Since you're talking about um, the 11 people, um, I look at the plots. I look at how many downloads. You know, we've had four shows, and I see it's like, okay, it got a little bit better, got a little bit better. Last week dropped down. I'm like, what did we do wrong? What did we do wrong to drop down? That's how paranoid I am. But anyway, it's like we went from 36 to 28 or something like that, and I'm over here like – what did I say? What did I do? It's just pure stupidity. But anyway, oh. um, so Cherish we're going to do things a little differently this week. What we normally do, I I ask, um, you know, we watch as many games as we can on Saturday. We're not machines. Uh, we are, we yeah. have other lives outside of football. We have jobs. This is not paying us millions of dollars quite yet, you know. So, but when, um, it, when it does, I'm quitting. When it does, I'm quitting. <laughs> And I'm going to have eight televisions set up. And like Terry's dad was so kind to do to him a few weeks ago, I'm going to have every one of them with the back button set up too. So that's 16 football games potentially you could be watching, Terry. 16. That would be the life. We're going to figure that shit out. I'm reading books about podcasts. And by the way, because I mentioned your dad, we got to shout out to mom because of my opening rant. We are on a winning streak of five weeks in a row where Mama will not be listening to this show. <laughs> well, so I did have to change my Facebook settings. Um, so when I get tagged and stuff, I don't automatically, it doesn't automatically go on my timeline, you know, because who knows what Andrew's going to throw out there. But, um, you know, there's some of that going on. But here's the thing. She doesn't know what a podcast is, so it's not like she's going to listen to it. But, you know, I think the we one that did it was the one that said, we don't have a swear jar. I was like, eh, maybe I need to back off with my mom. <laughs> a bit. Just blame me. Everybody else does. It'll be fine. <laughs> but that's okay. We love you. So, um, you know, I started explaining, and we, we don't know how to shut up and, and move on with it, do we? Apparently, um, our system is jacked. According to the 11 people on Twitter, that's where we were So here's what we do. So I asked Andrew for a top 15 because I feel that if we're going to do a top 10, uh, when it gets toward the bottom, we're not necessarily going to have the same 8, 9, 10. So I want to see what kind of votes show up for the um, 11 through 15. I figure that's good enough. Maybe it's not. Maybe we need to do 20. We're new to this. Forgive us a little bit. But what I do – the number one votes get 15 points um, from each of us so far, you know, up at least until this week. We hadn't revealed that yet. Georgia has received 15 from both of us. So that's where the 30 comes from. Um, and then we just combine them. There's been some weird stuff happen. Like I will vote Michigan higher. Um, you vote Florida State higher or something like that. Um but then what we end up having is this big tie of teams that we don't necessarily agree on. We're not both voting them number four. 
Like I'm voting number two, uh-huh. you're voting number seven or something like that. So it ends up at number four. And it, it's just kind of interesting when you have two people trying to combine um, combine like that. And, you know, some thoughts went through my head this week. as like, what can we do to break some of these ties? What I might, and we can talk about it on the show, you know, I don't care. We're learning as we go. I mean, that first episode, if you look back at week zero episode, we didn't have any music. We didn't know what we were doing. I was just like this, the straightest, you know, in more ways than one, stuffiest, ah! let's stick to the script kind of guy. And I, I'm loosening up a little bit as we go, as you say. I'm showing a little bit more personality. But, personality, um, Terry. Show me your personality. <laughs> tell it. Tell it. But um, what was I saying again? I don't know. I've I've had a scoring a, system is messed up because we don't take into account strength of schedule, defensive turnovers, ah, the points that. by margins. So basically, Terry and I just say, "Well, Georgia's number one, Michigan's <laughs> number two. Andrew says, ah, ah. Well, Andrew's what State's number about. two, not Michigan. Yeah, we all screw. We just we screw each other up because I voted." Ohio State way down. He voted him up. It ends up in a thing. And we're going to get all into it. But at the end of the day, it's not a perfect system. And Terry's an engineer, ladies and gentlemen, that don't know that. He's a very intelligent person, way too detail-oriented for a podcast, which is why I keep telling him to loosen up. He's also yeah. two liquor drinks <laughs> in, and the second one was definitely my fault. So before we get too crazy – we do need to get the top 10 in before that third drink, Terry, but. Well, there's only going to be two, but I, I'm on the second one, and that's why I keep forgetting what I was going to say. But anyway. Um, the system is not perfect is what we're trying to get at. It's not, but I think between the two of us, I've got an idea, and I want your thoughts on it. We'll let the listeners hear this. So we have this 15 to 1 thing that we got, and I combine those in a spreadsheet because Excel is the greatest application ever created on a computer. But um, Nerd you know, Nerd PowerPoint's shit. pretty close there. But um, that's what I do all day at work, by the way. I don't do anything real. I let other people do that. I just tell them what to do. I do some PowerPoints. I get frustrated when things are, you know, whatever. Y'all don't want to hear that. So my Nerd thought shit. is, I think we need to institute a new thing. Maybe with next week's poll, we can, we can, um, you can have 1.25 boost and one negative 0.25. I don't know what we call it. What's the opposite of boost? Where you drag it down like a drag. So that way we yeah. can try to, between the two of us, if we think the other is rating somebody too high, we can throw that in there to bring them down. Well, we get one of each, one up and one down. One of each, one boost and one negative but i don't know what the hell a downward boost what do you call it yeah, maybe yeah, the listeners have a decent name for it i don't know something to take a quarter point off of them i think if we do that it'll help out because we continue somehow to have a three-way tie either for third place or fourth place with teams that i'm voting two and you're voting seven and they end up at four and it is the weirdest thing you know the spreadsheet shows it you know, I could, I could, you know, show how the sausage is made and show the spreadsheet and show how the points are vastly different on some of these teams. And we'll get into the logic because we've been questioned on that. And I know people are going to hate me for some of my logic, but I'm going to explain the hell out of it. 
when I get questioned, I'm going to explain it to you because I they I'm a little bit overbearing when I get questioned on stuff. So you're going to hear it, damn it. That's what you know. So they you want personality? You're going to get nerd personality today. How about that? But anyway, I think we might need to institute that. I will come up with some decent names for that, but I think that might help us. So expect some of these round numbers to not be quite as round. And, um, you know, maybe we need more than one. But we'll talk offline a little bit about it, and we'll figure out the details of that. I think um, since there are only two people voting, that will allow us to, um, you know, to put a little bit of flexibility in there. So we can break some of these ties. One of the comments from the viewers, listeners or whatever, nobody's viewing. We haven't put video out there yet. Um, one of the comments was, when is this tie going to be broken? I'm like, it is created in a different way every week. I don't know what to tell you. The numbers don't lie. They suck because our logic sucks, but the numbers don't lie. Four plus eight is 12. That's all I can do, you know. Other than that, you know, I'm good. Now, we'll throw this out there. I don't think I've mentioned this. I may have been vague about it, but Nerd Terry's coming out a little bit now. Um, so, about, I would say, 15 years ago, I wrote some Java code, and I would manually put in scores every week, and I would do the what I call the Weaver Pole, and I would print it out every week, at that point, it was like 1 to 120, and I would post the entire thing on my cubicle at work. You want to talk about Nerd Terry? That's Nerd Terry. Now, roughly around the same time, 2010 came around, and Auburn did pretty damn good. I was being accused pretty early in the process of having an if Auburn line in my code. They were just good. You know, that's how that is. But... um. You know, if I get the time, and it honestly, it is kind of hard. Um, I do put some effort into this, honestly. I've been reading on how to do things. A lot of this is learning along the way. Because, you know, a little bit behind the scenes, Andrew and I decided to do this about a week before the season started. So we didn't have any does. Yeah, we didn't have any test rounds. I mean, it was just like, we're doing this shit, and we don't know what we're doing. And um, that's an explanation for the week zero show. And then I went, like, I need some music, you know. So we'll get better. You know, the graphics are a little bit better this week. They'll get better, too. I've got some ideas. I'm learning. But um, what the hell was I saying? Anyway, so I want to get back to this computer model because I think, you know, I was doing this in 2008 to 2010 or so, and I was doing manual input, and that sucks. That took a lot of time. But now I think I can probably download files and write some code to pull that in automatically. So I think I can do a much better job. So you might end up seeing the TNA computer poll come out at some point. I'm not promising because, you know, I do have a job. And I work more than 40 hours a week. I put some effort into this. I have three kids. Um, so it's difficult for me to do home projects. And like I said, until we start getting paid millions of dollars from this, I'm going to have to have another job. So, you know, that's how that works. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> we are only, we're only like the fifth college football podcast, right? There's only like four other ones, right? There's not a million of them out there. Not a million. There not a million at all. Can't. Especially not a million with 27 followers. Yeah, we're not exactly barstool sports here. Yeah, we joke about our followers, but we love you. We have notes from our followers that we're going to chew on a little bit today. We <laughs> see the comments. We see the gifts. We see the jokes. Like, subscribe, and share, guys. Seriously, it helps us out. Tell us what you don't like. We don't care. Like, we're Jerry was very honest about this whole process, and I'll be honest about it. I get on here, and I just have a good time. I mess around. I actually took notes today, which are in my hand that you can't necessarily see, obviously, because we're on audio. But I actually have a legal pad filled with notes, front and back pages, was prepared this week. Because last week I said that uh, Georgia and Florida played in the SEC title game in 05. It wasn't 05. It was for the SEC title trip. It was not the title game. So I made that mistake, and I told Terry I wasn't going to make those mistakes. But back to our listeners, we certainly appreciate you guys listening. Because we get on here, and I just say crazy shit. Like, Ole Miss (laughs) is going to win by 14, you know? And uh, I actually thought Lane Kiffin had a puncher's chance against Nick Saban. But we'll get there. I got plenty. Honestly, just just, um, behind the scenes there, I put a seven-page Word document together and sent the link to Andrew. And he's like, well, I'm not reading that shit. But anyway (laughs) – one thing I had to admit to him, I forgot to put the Alabama Ole Miss game on there. It's like of all well, the games that I would forget to put on there, that game where we both – I guess it was like um, trying to subconsciously protect us from how wrong we were about that. But I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there since neither one of these teams is in our top ten, you know, big nope. shocker. But – um. What was I going to say? Hell, I need to slow. You're going to throw it out there. It's the so, Alabama and the Ole Miss game. So here's the thing. So um, I don't know what it had to do with that, but the thing I wanted to say, boy, you you guys are uh, getting a couple of a couple of drinks, Terry, right now. So if you haven't met him, here he is. But I don't know. It's a good time. But one thing I do need to correct from last week, I talked about what it's like to be an Auburn fan. and used some statistics that weren't exactly right, and I need to correct that. So I said that Auburn has the most wins of any SEC team against Alabama. Now, that is incorrect. Tennessee technically has more wins than Auburn against Alabama. However, they played a lot more games against Alabama than Auburn has. And the reason for that is, and this is where it gets real dirty in the rivalry, Alabama refused to play Auburn because they felt like they didn't have facilities. They didn't have a good enough field to play on. So that went for decades. And then Auburn and Alabama picked the rivalry back up. And that's when it ended up in Birmingham. And that's where the Iron Bowl name comes from. Of course, I'm going to have to go research this and correct it next week, but that's my understanding. So uh, I wanted to correct that. We still have the most losses against Vanderbilt. I can't weasel my way out of that. That's the truth. Uh, we play them again this week. So we we are actually under 500 against Vanderbilt, if you, if you want to believe that. As horrible as that sounds, Auburn is under 500 against Vanderbilt. 
Um, I'll have to look at the details. One or two wins get us to 500, and I desperately want to get there. I don't want a losing record against Vanderbilt. We got a game against them this year in a few weeks. Um, we got to get that win. But anyway, yeah. y'all don't want to hear about it. You need to get that win because you ain't going to get this week's win, but we'll get there, buddy. We How will you get know? there. You don't know shit. No dogs. Anyway. No dogs. All right, so here's the <laughs> format now. I explained kind of the process. Now, we're also going to do a little different inside the show with how we present the top ten. Um, I felt like it was a little bit lame how we were doing just the top ten presentation before. I felt like we would talk about a team for a couple of minutes, and then we would talk about their game. And I'm doing a lot of hand gestures that you guys aren't seeing on the audio, but um, Andrew's seeing it. He appreciates it. But, um, you know, <laughs> but what we're going to do, we're going to walk down the top ten, ten to one, and we will talk about their games that they currently have. We will talk about what they have upcoming in this week and the next couple of weeks. And then we'll go forward like that. That way we stay on a team. You know, we're learning. We're getting a little bit better. We we still don't know much, but uh, we can present it a little bit better. So I don't have a great audio for this yet. I'm still working on it, learning some skills. But number 10 as we've been talking about quite a bit, is Notre Dame. Now, this is going to be a little bit of an exception because we have Ohio State higher in the rankings than Notre Dame. We're going to hold off analyzing that game. But number 10 is Notre Dame. They dropped from number nine last week. Um, Notre Dame has um, Duke next, and then they play Louisville and USC. And if, if you're not aware, Every team I just mentioned is undefeated. So they have three undefeated teams, at least currently, on the horizon. You know, that's the thing about Notre Dame. They continue to be independent, but you cannot criticize them for dodging decent games. I know they've got this little weird connection with ACC, so they get some of those games. But, you know, they got USC coming up, and that's pretty big. I mean, what are we going to learn about Notre Dame? We talked about them missing opportunities, but um, they're going to have some opportunities to prove that they belong coming up in, in some big-time games. I think they got Clemson later in the season, too. I know Clemson's got two losses, but of the two lost teams, I mean, I don't know who would be better than Clemson. But anyway, before we do Nobody. too much of an analysis based on number 10, let's go to number nine. USC fell from seven to nine, and a lot of that deals with the fact that they're playing some teams that should be below them, and they're allowing a lot of points. USC beat Arizona State 42 to 28. USC improves to 4 and 0. Arizona State falls to 1 and 3. So even though they beat them by a little bit, it's a little bit concerning when you, when you think about teams like Oregon and Washington in the league. You know, um, these games are a little too close. Um, I don't I don't think we need to assume that USC is the best team in the Pac-12. There's way too many teams over there that can play some football. And, on, and I looked at the detail here. At the end of the third quarter, it was 27 to 21. I mean, that they can't be doing that against decent teams. And Arizona State has not proven to be a decent team. I mean, they had eight turnovers last week. 
got beat 29 to nothing. They did better this week, obviously. It's hard not to. But, um, you know, USC is a good team, but, I mean, what are they? It's hard to tell. What do you think? All they are is offense. All they are is offense. They're Lincoln Riley, they're Caleb Williams, they're Southern Cal, the home that you know, the home of OJ Simpson and all the rest, Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, uh, Troy Palomalu. They've got great football teams, great football history. I watched that game and I I could have ranted against the Pac twelve putting games on so late. Because I'm gonna tell you, being on Eastern Standard Time is brutal trying to catch a Pac twelve game. If it's not a big game. So if you're just trying to watch USC and get a little uh, seeing in where they're at in uh, Arizona State, good on Arizona State, cleaned up the game, eight turnovers the week prior, lost 29-0, as Terry mentioned. But USC let them hang out. They let them hang around, and they let them score again and again and again. I come back to this with USC. I don't think they're the real deal. I understand the Pac-12 is extremely strong. You have six, I think, still undefeated teams in the Pac-12 right now. But Terry said it. I second it. And this is our show, so it's got to be true. USC is not the best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, I just don't see it. I I think there's just way too much competition. Now, I will go ahead and throw this out there because I haven't mentioned it. Um, Since we do have most teams with four games, you know, there's a couple with five. You know, there was the game in Ireland with Notre Dame and Navy, um, Hawaii and Vanderbilt. I think there were seven games in week zero. Whoever played week zero seems to have five games, but everybody else has four. We're going to treat this a little bit as a review of the first third of the season because for the most part, either teams played their first conference game or they're about to play their first conference game. So we made some, you know, after the week zero games, we made some predictions for conference champions. And we're going to review those and talk about pecking order of conferences. Now, I know that we have some questions from our fans. It's kind of weird to me to talk about us having fans. Um, But we did have some questions about our process and why we choose some things. I think as we start talking about pecking order, we're going to get into a lot of that. So hopefully a lot of <laughs> – sorry, I texted something to a group chat and then Andrew replied and he threw me off a bit. Anyway, um, so as we talk about pecking order, I think that plays a lot into uh, where we put people in the top 10 or our own top 15. Um, so I think, I hope that we answer all the questions people have. Now you're not going to be satisfied and we hope you're not because we don't give a shit what you think about it. These are our opinions. We will tell you the reason we said that you don't have to accept it. You just, you know, it is what it is, right? I think the way I think Andrew thinks the way he thinks that's what's good about college football. We don't agree, but we keep watching and we keep loving it. Um, I'm a, you know, you guys can't see it. Maybe I put a clip out a video this week on social media, but I'm wearing an Auburn hat and, um, I'm pretty, I'm not an SEC fan. I'm not a state of Alabama fan. Screw all that nonsense. I'm an Auburn fan. I, if there was a week where Auburn won and the other 13 SEC schools lost, that would be the perfect 
perfect week for me. You want personality, you're learning who I am. It only took a couple of old fashions. But anyway, it's strong, spicy old fashions. And speaking of spicy old fashions, I have a group of friends, just to throw this out there, Andrew's included in this. I got home from work the other day. I had this big box on my doorstep, and these people bought me something for my birthday, which happens to be September 26th, for those that don't know. Um, I'm an old man. I'm getting a little bit older, but they had some drink mixes in there for me and they know how to buy the right thing for me. So I'm taking advantage of that tonight. I've drank two drinks. I'm not drinking anymore because I've already thought a couple, I've already forgot a couple of my points and <laughs> we can't have that. We need quality, but, um, thank you for that, Andrew. I love you. I love everybody else that was involved in that. You all know that. But, um, you know, I've forgotten my point again. Anyway, I won't finish that sentence. So why if you don't... like your alcohol, old fashions for well, Terry. Well, see, old I'm not, I don't, here's the thing, just to let you know, I don't drink every night. I rarely drink more than two, but I've had two tonight and they've hit me. And we're geared up and ready to go. So um, we've talked about it. That's what that is, folks. I'll have my coffee now. So here's the deal. So we've talked about USC. We've got them at nine. We really don't think that they're they're competing with. I probably think Oregon and and um, Washington. We'll get more into detail on that when we break it down later. When the highest rank. Here's how I did it. The highest ranked Pac-12 team will lead into a pecking order discussion about the Pac-12. Obviously, USC is not sitting atop the Pac-12 in our minds, so we'll hold off on that. So we will say this. On the horizon for USC, they've got Colorado. I don't see USC beating Colorado 42-6 the way Oregon did. Where do you see this game? Shootout. I think it's a shootout because uh, USC's defense is not good. And their offense, we know, is fantastic. Colorado has got to lick those wounds, and they better get over it fast because we're going to get there, but Oregon beat the brakes off Colorado. Beat them like they owed them money. I mean, they they spanked Colorado. Colorado got outclassed, outmuscled, outworked, and I don't think Deion Sanders lets that happen two weeks in a row. So you don't think he's coming for USC? Maybe we'll hear a little less vocal Deion this week. A little more humble, Dion, but at the end of the day, you and I have said it over and again. His players play for him. They're bought in. They believe. They think they can beat USC. I think it's a shootout. I think it's another question like you posed to me about the Oregon-Washington game we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Is it 100 or is it more for your over-under? You know, I mean, that's the it question. How many there. points are they going to score? Are all the bulbs, as you said so eloquently, Terry, are all the bulbs on the scoreboard working? Because you're going to need every damn one of them for these four teams, um, and I'm including Colorado in that because they can score too. Yeah. And USC does not play defense. So anyway, if, I'm, if I'm wanna... on this. I think this one comes down to a last possession situation. If I'm very honest with you, I well, think this is a last possession situation in USC Colorado. Yeah, that's the deal. I mean, people want to shit on Colorado, and I'm throwing the dirty words out there tonight because, you know, whatever. Uh, we've got an E. 
Yeah. So Andrew, make sure that we have an E because I'm so I'm going to take advantage of it. Here's the thing with Colorado to me. People want to act like they're not great. I mean, okay, they've got some things to fix. Um, Dion is an arrogant guy. Okay. We knew that 20 years ago. Um, there's plenty of opportunities in this format for us to talk about Colorado, but this is a great, as great a time as any, because we don't have them ranked in the top 10. So we might as well talk about it now. You know, Dion said something the other day, and I don't have the quote, but it was something the something to the effect of he's not going after people. I think the way Dion works is he's telling everybody to watch out for him and his team. Um, the problem is when you tell everybody, you're going to have some individuals speak back. The criticism I have is when those individuals speak back to you on you talking to everybody, don't act like they're bullying you. You started it. You didn't start it directly with them, but you threw it out there. Now I will say that some of the stuff has been a little bit below the belt. I mean, I don't, I don't hate any of it, really. College coaches do that. You know, I loved how Steve Spurrier would poke at Tennessee. You know, that's part of the game. I think a lot of the fans that Dion has brought in are a little sensitive to that because they don't know how that's a, that works. But, um, you know, we'll deal with that. We can get beyond it. I love, I love how Dion has confidence in his team. You know, even beyond – what you would expect. Like, he was telling us he was going to go to Oregon and do something. They didn't do it, but what is he supposed to do? What is he supposed to do in a press conference say, well, they're a lot better team than we are. Our guys suck, so, you know. But one thing is, if you look at statistics with, with Shadur Sanders, even though they got blasted, his stats aren't that bad at all. He still had a pretty damn good game. Um, even getting destroyed by Oregon, Shadur showed up. Now, obviously, they don't have the offensive line. They don't have the nope. defensive line. Big question. You know, Oregon proved that. And I'll get into Oregon later. I have a lot to say about Oregon. I love, you know. Auburn is kind of proven that they're not going to be much this year, so I'm kind of transitioning to a Bo Nix Oregon fandom. So I have a lot to say about them. Um, but Colorado has a lot of the pieces, but they're missing some critical pieces. So when Dion says, get us while you can, I believe that. Now, there's some other questions I have. Like, um, if you look at Dion's coaching career, he has not coached where he has not had a son on his team, other than like some all American game stuff. So, to me, it's like knowing that Dion is this lights and flash kind of guy, when his sons leave, is he still going to be interested enough to coach college football? I don't know the answer to that. I do kind of wonder that. But while we have him, I think he can he can speak to these guys in the way that they need to hear it. Travis Hunter is 
begging to play in the USC game. I hope they don't let him for his own sake. But um, from a college football fan's sake, I would love to see Colorado at their best against USC. Because like you said, we don't think USC is nearly as good as Oregon. It would be great to see USC against Colorado at their best. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So that, you know, the next game for USC is at Colorado. Then they play Arizona, which is kind of a drop-off. And then they play at Notre Dame. And this Notre Notre Dame game for me. Put an asterisk by it. Yeah, that to me is going to be big. Because I think one of our questions is, how do Pac-12 teams find their way above Big Ten teams? Yep. In our top 10. I think this is going to be a huge game for that. And I have a lot of belief. See, here's the thing. I picked Oregon to win the conference at the start of the year, but I have not graded them ahead. I try to not use my picks as a grading system um, from the start. Um, I want USC to prove to me that they aren't the best team, even though I picked Oregon. I want USC to show me they aren't the best team. And that probably gets into a little bit of my logic with Michigan. So a little flash forward, but we'll figure that out. Um, So, um, you know, I think this Notre Dame game for USC is going to be gigantic, not just for those two teams, but for a lot of teams. Yeah, it's definitely going to do a lot to shape it up and, to your point, you know, Notre Dame takes Ohio State to the limit. We'll get there. Several execution errors, you know, that I opened our show with after your brilliant uh, introduction. It was very good this week, by the way. But the USC, I don't think they can ball with Notre Dame. I don't think they can. I don't think that the Notre Dame I saw against Ohio State lets USC fly all over the place. So they better figure out a couple of things. Number one, how are we going to sustain a drive and not go three and out in less than a minute? Because Notre Dame's cornerbacks, D-backs, they were balling against Ohio State. And if if Lincoln Riley wants to play air raid offense, you got three chances, don't miss. Three chances to get 10 and do not miss. Because Notre Dame will learn from the Ohio State loss, and they're going to make USC pay for it if they do. But this USC team is not ready for Notre Dame, and I don't care if it's in the Coliseum or in South Bend. They are not ready for this Notre Dame team. So they better get their shit together. They're not a top five team. I don't care what the AP poll says. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I feel. You know, when we started getting questioned for our top ten, I looked at the AP and I'm like, the AP's worse than we are. <laughs> so it's like if we got a standard to set, we're doing better than they are. Um, you know, yes, so there's some, there will all be questions, but the questions are what makes college football fandom, college football critiquing, college football guessing. And that's what we're doing. We're guessing a lot of times. You know, there's 133 freaking teams in FBS right now. To me, if I could fix college football, we don't need nearly that many teams. I don't know if there would be legal issues to contract it down to smaller. I imagine there would. I mean, if you're telling a team they're no longer at the top level after they've gone through the steps to get there, um, they're probably going to sue you. 
But, um, you know, I think that's a major problem we have. You know, the final thought on USC I have, I see USC kind of as an eight and four team. I look at their schedule. Um, I think Notre Dame's good. I, I really think Notre Dame is good, and I'm waiting on USC to prove to me that they're at that level, and I just haven't seen it. Nope, I agree. So let's go to number eight. Yeah, let's go to number eight, and that is Washington. Washington fell out of a, a number seven tie. You, based on the way we do things and the fact that there's two of us, sometimes you'll see people drop out of ties, and it's not because they did worse. Obviously, we think or Washington. Sorry, I almost said Oregon. Obviously, we think Washington is very good. The thing to me about Washington is they are a high-level offense. The question is, do they pair that with the defense as well as Oregon does? So we'll talk about that more later. But um, Washington beats California 59-32. to They improve to 4-0, and and, wa- and California falls to 2-2. Two and two. The two losses, and I have to mention this, anytime Auburn is a factor, I'm going to mention it. The losses for for California this year are Washington and my Auburn Tigers. So they are two and two. So, um, like I said, the Washington offense is very good. Uh, defense is questionable. I think statistically they had a decent defense, but you know how statistically works sometimes. Um, 32 points to California seems like a lot. Sometimes you just drag them up a little bit because your offense is churning on all cylinders. Maybe that's part of what it is. You saw USC do that for years. Is Washington this kind of team? I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot to be answered there. But I think Washington could have scored 80 this week. I mean, they I think held they let up. off the gas. Because the, yeah. first, the first half, Terry, they were up huge. And then it's like they put in the backups and the subs, give them some time, you know. I mean, the best practice, honestly, is a live football game because you don't know when you're next man up. But uh, Washington let California score a lot of those points in the in the second half. At no point was the game ever in jeopardy of California beating Washington. Your point, Washington has a very high-level, very sophisticated offense. It's extremely difficult to defend, and they're going to keep coming at you over and again, play after play after play. And why not? Look at the Pac-12 and look who they have to play with. We didn't talk about Utah, who's not in the top ten, but we've got Utah that plays defense and just suffocates teams. Don't believe me? Ask Chip Kelly. 14-7, to a game with Chip Kelly as the head coach in his offense, knowing what they do, only produced seven points for his team. On the other hand, though, you look at what USC did, of course, 42 points Arizona State, Oregon, 42 or 45, whatever it was, big number against Colorado, and then Washington here with 52. Um, and the other game of the week, you know, the the, the Beavers and the uh, Washington State, it's that one up. didn't score nearly many points. We're getting there. But uh, I don't know. The Pac-12, if nothing else, they can score. So, you know, if you're Washington and you ran 700 yards last week and then you did 500 this week and you've put up, what, between those two weeks, 120 points or whatever it is, I think you just lean on the offense and let it fly because that's what's taking you to the dance. But you've got to get enough defensive stops against those teams that can match your offense where you end up winning the game. 
you know, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in college football, a lot of them in the Pac-12, but I have to wonder if Washington may have the best of them all, of all of them, because he is fantastic. Um, So the games that they have coming up, they play at Arizona this week, which is kind of an off game. Sorry, Arizona. It's the truth. But then it's the truth. The next game, Oregon plays at Washington, and what a freaking amazing game that's going to be. That's going to be huge. You want to talk, can the Pac-12 rise in our top ten? Somebody from the Pac-12 is probably going to rise after that game. You know, honestly, I have questions about the pecking order in the top in the Pac-12, and that probably lowers teams. <clears throat> Somebody, you know, if somebody gets a comfortable win, that is a huge boost. Because if if you get a comfortable win against Washington or Oregon, that is that's amazing. Honestly, I mean, I I can't imagine both of these are firing on all cylinders. So I can't wait for that game. And then they follow that game up. Um, well, this can't be true. My notes are incorrect. It says at Arizona, but their next game is at Arizona, so I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's they're, not- they're backwards. They're, they're backwards in the notes. You're right. They're at uh, Arizona first, and then I'm, I'm pulling up ESPN right now because I thought okay. it was I thought it was uh, Oregon and Washington this weekend. No. But Two weeks. Arizona, Oregon, uh, Arizona State, Stanford. They got USC November the 4th, number 18. Utah, November 11th. Oregon State, November 18th. Washington State, November 25th in the battle, in the Civil War there. So the last four games of their season, they're against top ranked opponents. Yeah, so I didn't put the word state in my notes. Yeah. Okay, so we'll see. You know, we're going to learn a lot about Washington in the next couple of weeks. There's going to be some movement in the Pac-12, starting with that game, and maybe start. You know, that week I think that's the same week USC plays Notre Dame. So we're going to have a big weekend to learn about the Pac-12 at that point. But let's move on to number seven. We're staying in the Pac-12. Oregon jumps from number ten to number seven after absolutely embarrassing. Colorado, 42 to 6. My note said 45 to 6. I did correct it when I read it. 42 to 6. Oregon improves to 4 and 0. Colorado falls to 3 and 1. And I've got a lot of notes about well, this, but I will leave the floor to you at the moment and we'll we'll intermix my stuff. Absolutely dog walked him. Dan Manning had his team fired up. He had the right message. This is about wins, not clicks. Oregon Ducks come out, hang 35 on Colorado in the first half. You sent me a statistic from the game shot. At one point, Oregon had negative – or not Oregon, excuse me. Colorado had negative yards. Negative yards against Oregon. Knowing the caliber of offense Colorado has, that is no short of amazing. They got a lot higher vote for me than they did Terry. So blame him for them being in the (laughs) sixth spot. I was about quack, quack, motherfuckers. Because here's the deal. As Terry said, you can go ahead and talk all that greasy shit you want, but somebody might just punch you in the mouth. And Dan Manning and his Oregon Ducks, they punched Deion Sanders in the mouth on Saturday. And now 
we get to find out going into this USC game, how does how does Colorado respond to a loss? Because we said it last week, buddy. We thought 21 points was too high, even in Eugene. But the Ducks were never, ever in jeopardy of losing this football game. And they set the tone on the very first drive, and they never looked back. And that is what championship football is. Yeah, and my notes kind of point to the fact that I, I feel like we had the first game. You know, I know Dion has tried to um, get a copyright on the term it's personal, which to me is proof that he's trying to make it personal every week. But I think this ended up being the first game where it was just about football and Oregon showed up and maybe that's Dan Lanning's point you know we can talk social media but you guys are going to show up on the field and you're going to kick some butt and you know Dion I got to give Dion credit he's been around football for decades now he's got his butt kicked before he's kicked some butt before he talks but then he backs it up and then when it doesn't go his way, he admits it. And that's what he did as a head coach here. But um, I'm glad we didn't have all the extracurricular stuff. I've seen a couple of things, and they weren't major. You know, one Colorado player was, like, scuffing up the midfield logo. I think that's a little hypocritical considering some comments from the Nebraska game. But um, there was also this video of a Colorado player after the game pulling a bandana off an Oregon player. Those are small to me compared to what we've heard for the last few weeks. So I'm glad it's getting back to football. Now, um, you know, I like Dion. I like Coach Prime. I don't want to disrespect him by calling him the first name. I don't say Nick when I talk about Coach Saban, right? He's got a point there. But um, I like Coach Prime, Coach Sanders. Um, and I I kind of see his point. He, he throws it out there as supreme confidence in his team, even to the point of lunacy, right? We know that. But he's saying his team's good. He's not dragging down the other teams. He is throwing it out in, into the world that we're getting there. We may not be there today, but we're going to kick some butt later. I like it, you know. I mean, we have a lot of guys that have accomplished a lot. Like Coach Saban's going to be very honest about where his weaknesses are. You know, Dion, he's not going to throw that out there as much. You know, he's going to say, I believe in these guys. Now, I have questions about how long he wants to do that, but we'll see in a few years. But um, the fans in the media are the ones saying the ridiculous stuff. You can't blame that on him. They see him. They react to it. That's not his fault. He is a big guy, flashy lights. He's been prime time for decades now. You know, he's not going to become a head coach and quit being prime time. That's who he is. And his team sees that. They gain confidence. And – I got to tell you, they got some pretty dang spectacular guys. I've talked about Shadur, even in getting their butt kicked, had some pretty good stats. They're going to get there. I believe two years from now, we're not going to see these 42-6 games. We're going to see him competing. He just needs those lines to get there. And I think that's 
I think he's there in the skill positions. I just don't think he has the line on the other side. Well, and it go, that that statement right there is exactly why they're going to lose ball games because the football games are still won in the trenches, especially the closest ones. Yes. And we saw that with Notre Dame and Ohio State, the way that game ends, which we're going to talk about up next. But bottom line with bottom line for me with Coach Prime, to your point on that, he can he can get every skill position in the world. You're going to tell me that a quarterback, running back, or wide receiver doesn't want to come play for Coach Deion Sanders? absolutely want to play for him because look at that high octane offense, but now you've got to get the linemen to come along with them because Oregon's defense and Oregon isn't known for defense. There's no disrespect when I say that about Oregon, but when people think about Oregon, they think about Marcus Mariota, the one minute offense, the ridiculous speed that Oregon since the Chip Kelly era and beyond has scored over and over again, fast football, lots of points, the Ducks got the biggest biceps of all the mascots. I mean, it's very clear. But Colorado never had a chance. They got dog-walked. But they got dog-walked because they got punched in the mouth by an overly um, physical offensive and defensive line and a coach who clearly set the tone for that game. Dan Manning clearly set the tone for that game. He had him fired up. He had him ready to play. But here's the thing. It wasn't that we're just it wasn't that first place surge you see a lot of times where they come out, the adrenaline's flowing, amped up, bam. How many times have you seen Alabama's opponent drive on them, score on the first drive, and after that they don't do anything with the ball again? That was not the case with this. Oregon kept coming and coming and coming. Your man Bo Nix commits his first uh, turnover of the season, but he's four games in. And he's thrown a lot of passes without an interception. Right. So, I mean, and, and that's what they're doing. They're flying around. They're throwing the ball. They're having a good time. And it's a lot easier and a much more relaxed environment, even at the highest levels, when you're winning games by big numbers and having a good time executing. There wasn't – at one point, wasn't he 19 for 22 or 19 yeah, for 23? Yeah, something like that. He, he hadn't missed that many, that many passes, you know. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and obviously I'm pulling for him. Uh, one one key <laughs> factor there, something to bring up. There's been all these memes about how old he is. So, oh, yeah. So Bo Nix is a fifth-year starting quarterback, and that is not something that we've ever seen. And the reason it exists is COVID-19. If it weren't for COVID-19, he would have already run out of eligibility. But there were some rules thrown in because of, um, I guess, shortened seasons. I don't remember all the details. But there were some COVID-19 rules that allowed him to play another season. And if you look at his stats, he has had double-digit starts for the previous four years. And now he's the starter again. So, you know, this is something we haven't seen before. We're not going to see again. I think he's 23 years old, and they act like he's 40 or something. You know, people are giving him crap about that. He's He's been married for two years. He married an Auburn cheerleader, which makes me have even more heartburn, you know. That's like A.J. McCarron. Um you know, what's her name was at the national championship game and she was an Auburn girl, you know, all the pretty girls Jenny go to Moore. Auburn. 
I'll throw that. Yeah, out she there. is more. <laughs> yeah. they may win national championship but we got the pretty girls down there but anyway yeah. for any Auburn girls listening um, so yeah so what we have on the horizon for Oregon they've got at Stanford this week and Stanford is not much then they've got that big matchup with Washington that we talked about which is a huge game and then um, at home against Washington State, and Washington State is pretty good. I mean, there are a lot of teams ahead of them in the pecking order in the Pac-12, but the Pac-12 this year probably has eight pretty darn good football teams. Loaded. Loaded. And the only reason they're going to lose games is because they have to play each other. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so let's – um. so now – As I said, the first conference we get to review a little bit is the Pac-12. Oregon at number seven was the top Pac-12 team. I know there's been some complaints about the Pac-12 not rising higher, but that's where they are, damn it. Deal with it for now. That's Um, what we said. Exactly. So when we started the year, I said Oregon would win the conference. You said Utah. Now, Utah – had like a, a stumble a little bit, but they they continue to prove that they, you know, this UCLA game, they're playing, Utah's playing without their starting quarterback. We we don't right. think about that. And their defense is so stout that they're keeping them in these games. So Utah is still right there. How do we, I mean, we've got a lot of teams to talk about here. How do we stack these teams up now after seeing Four games worth of of action. You go first. I think I think you're Oregon, Washington, Utah, USC, Washington State, Oregon State. Yeah. And Washington State and Oregon State, no disrespect to either of those football teams, but when it comes down to it against the other four they're not going to have the athletes to compete. And that's what's going to give those bigger schools with the more established football programs the win, is the physicality, the size, the training, the um, the ability of the players that were recruited. That's the advantage of being at USC. You have a shot at the very best players in the country. I'm sorry, Corvallis, Oregon might be a great place to live, but the Beavers ain't getting the best prospects in the entire Pac-12. So that's where you're going to see a real separation point is the superior athletes at USC, at Oregon, at Washington, and at Utah. Now, Utah isn't a draw either for athletes, so that leaves you Washington, USC, and Oregon. If I have to go based on the athletes, I'm going with Oregon. And the reason I go with Oregon is because they are well-established. They have won the Pac-12 championship. They are a career winner's. But I still, I still um, believe that Utah will win the Pac-12 championship because defense wins championships and their quarterback should be coming back. And I think the schedule favors them. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've looked at it in that much detail. Remind me, where did you put Colorado in that packing? Not mentioned. Okay. So you put them under Oregon State and Washington State. Correct. Okay. Because those are two complete football teams. Right. 
and they are not. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, obviously I still believe in my pick for Oregon. The way in my head that I thought that was going to happen, obviously it's a little different based on us thinking differently of USC. I expected USC to win the game between USC and Oregon during the regular season and then for Oregon to win the championship game. That's what I thought was going to happen. So I wonder now, is that going to be Washington? And the thing I, you know, these are the two class programs, I think, at the moment in the Pac-12. And my question is, I believe Washington's offense is a little bit better than Oregon's offense. And I wonder if that is enough to make up for Washington's lack of defense compared to Oregon being a more rounded team. So that's, that's why I really look at this game in two weeks to really tell us a lot. On the Utah topic, Oregon State this Friday at 9 o'clock. Then they have Cal. Then 21st of October, USC. 28th of October, Oregon. Get a break with Arizona State. The 11th, they play Washington. And they close out the 18th and the 25th of November, Arizona, Colorado. So Utah doesn't have an easy road to win. And they already beat number 22, UCLA, as well. So Utah gets the Beavers this week coming after that close loss against Washington State. Take a break with Cal because Cal, let's face it, shouldn't should not beat Utah. But then they draw USC and Oregon in consecutive weeks. So the month of October is brutal, particularly there at the end. And then in three or four weeks, the 21st through the 11th, you got USC, Oregon, Arizona State, Washington. So you got three of the top ten teams playing against Utah. You know, Cal is kind of funny because I feel like Cal is a better team than I thought they were going to be, but they get just drowned with the other teams in the league because they picked the wrong season to improve because it's not going to matter all that much. No, they're going to unfortunately be a 5-7 and seven team simply because they have to play everybody. Okay, so we're. I think we're sticking with our picks there. Um, you know, I still have questions because I think Washington's probably a little bit better than I gave them credit for. I do admit Utah's defense is by far the best defense in the league. Um, I'm going to stick with Oregon. Sounds like you're sticking with Utah. Yep. All right, sounds good. Let's stick with it. All right, so we're going to go to number six, and this is going to be a controversial one because we got Penn State, who technically fell <laughs> from number five to number six in the poll. A lot of that is other teams jumping and ties being broken, but technically they fell a spot. Now, they had a pretty impressive win against Iowa, 31-0. to zero. Penn State improves to 4-0, and Iowa. Iowa in, falls to three and one. Now, okay, here's where we really start talking about me explaining some stuff. Because I will admit, Andrew voted your Nittany Lions number three. Okay. Yes, I did. I put them a little bit lower. Okay. Yeah, so you did. I will admit, I didn't watch this game particularly as much. I did watch some of it. Um, you know, it's a lot like Penn State games have been all year. They're very consistent. They play good defense. 
they just wear on you and they win and they put up enough points to um, position themselves to not be in question in the second half. You know, they're not one of these come back and fire away kind of teams. They're going to do it from the first snap. I really appreciate that. I like that brand of football. Um, so then the question is, why would I put Penn State lower? Okay, so their big wins, I say Illinois. Okay, that's respectable. And they beat Iowa 31 to nothing. Okay, that's great. That's wonderful. I do wonder why we hold Iowa so high in regard, okay? This is what I question here. Because I look at the Utah State score. I think they beat Utah State by 10. They beat Iowa State by 7. Iowa State's not good. I don't I don't know where this comes from. So, um, if they're playing those close games, what's the proof? I think they beat one of the directional Michigan schools pretty bad in week three. I mean, I'll give them that, but, you know, I know this is a derivative of Penn State to get all nerdy with it, with a, with a big word here. But um, I know Iowa's a good, a good game, but um, I also think Rutgers is not that bad, that bad of a win for Michigan here. So you can disagree with that, but that that's kind of where my logic comes from. I'm also – when I'm grading these teams, I'm not looking to restart every week necessarily. I think there is some carryover from the previous year for certain teams. I will give Michigan that benefit because I, I consider them program. Um, I do consider Penn state a program. I believe in Tony Franklin. Um, you know, some of these teams, have the same quarterback they had that is a big deal for me in my head some of them have new quarterbacks you know we're looking at georgia we're looking at alabama um am i going to give them the benefit of the doubt with a new quarterback probably not but i also know there is plenty of opportunity in that schedule for penn state to prove terry absolutely wrong so i'm not jumping to make any changes until they prove it to me. And Iowa is not that game. All right, your turn, Andrew. Put it in reverse, Terry. Here we go. Penn State is only number three because in my world, Georgia and Florida State exist. Nine turnovers, sweetheart. Nine. <laughs> Nine turnovers in the last two weeks. Tell me a team playing better defense right now than Penn State when it matters. 110,000 fans, wide out, Happy Valley, in, in Beaver Stadium there in Western PA. And let's face it, they dominated Iowa like nobody dominates Iowa. That's not something that happens. 76 total yards for the game. 15 minutes time of possession versus 45. Penn State made Iowa their bitch. And there's no other way to say it, even if that's not the nicest way to say it. At the end of the day, Penn State's defense came alive again, just like they did to Brett Belima's Illinois. They made Ferentz, uh, uh, Iowa, turn the ball over multiple times. A running team, physical offensive line, and they made them look silly. Nine turnovers in two weeks, Terry. 
and Penn State's going to keep rolling because they got two games left on their schedule as far as they're concerned, and that's Ohio State and that's Michigan. Penn State easily top third team. You're wrong. I'm right, and you need to quit giving Michigan and Ohio State so much credit. Penn State, best team in the Big Ten. Okay, so I'll give you a little more detail on our voting. Neither of us put Michigan as the top team in, in the Big Twelve in the Big Ten. But when we combine our votes, they end up there. Um, so that's why I brought up this idea of do we really need to be combining or do we need to defend our own top ten? Now, um, it's going to be a couple of weeks before we see a lot of movement here because at Northwestern ain't going to do it. You know, if the Iowa game didn't convince me, at Northwestern's not going to. And my team beat UMass pretty bad, so I know that's nothing. But then that next one, and you mentioned it, Penn State at Ohio State. Ohio State is the team that I put highest in the Big Ten. I put them at number two. You know, maybe I'm giving them too much credit for this Notre Dame win, but I was impressed by that, so I put them up there. Um. I will also say when we get to the ACC, the reasons I didn't put Florida State up there. But um, to me, that's the pecking order. I look at what Michigan has done. And although they have not beaten anybody that good, they have not had that moment where they have played to the level of their competition. Every one of these games – they're putting it on somebody. Now, they're high school teams, possibly. I get it. But um, because of that, I went ahead and put Ohio State ab- above them, but I'm keeping them there in the second spot. Now, the Penn State fans are hating me for this. That's okay. You can hate me. That's what this is all about. We'll, we will find out what I'm right about, and we will find out what I'm wrong about in a couple of weeks. And I can't wait. Yeah, when Penn State demolishes Ohio State, because <laughs> fuck them today, tomorrow, and forever. Oh, man. Penn State's defense is legit. Ohio State's offense ain't never going to get a chance at the ball because they're going to run the ball. They're going to control the clock. And that, that game can go ahead and get the fuck on here. Because Terry is wrong, ladies and gentlemen. Penn State, playoff team, the way they've played the last couple weeks, I'm calling it now, Big Ten champion, Penn State. All right, we'll get more to the Big Ten when we get higher than Penn State in the rankings and we start talking about the other teams. Anyway, let's go to number five. So I've been looking for audio, so it's not just me saying number five. I want some big dramatic number five, but I haven't figured it out yet. That's coming. It might be next season. might be 2024 season. It takes me a while sometimes. I'll find the right audio for this. But anyway. He ain't going to know what to do, folks, when we have a 12-team playoff. I'm just telling you. <laughs> number five, Texas falls from a tie for number two to the number five spot. And, again, it's not because Texas did anything wrong. There are two people here. And and teams shoot up for doing good things, and they pass other teams. And that's what happened here. Texas wins against Baylor, who is a pretty bad team, 38-6. to Texas improves to 4-0. Baylor falls to 1-3. I didn't watch a single bit of this game. I know Texas is good. I, I mean, Baylor is not good. This is kind of what was expected. They did what they should have done. Texas seemed to handle their business as they should have. 
nothing particularly jumped out here. I mean, it's a big score, but it's a crappy, crappy Baylor team. Um, you know, that's that's about all the analysis I have. Texas is good, but there's several good teams. Well, you got yeah, and the worst part is the only other team in the Big Twelve that matters is is Oklahoma. Oklahoma beat Cincinnati twenty to six. A lot of defense this time around this week. Um, a lot of defense this week, and it doesn't it doesn't always happen that way. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, when you're looking at, at Brent Venables, you know he's going to come with defense first. But Oklahoma has been for twenty years and then some an offensive firepower. Um, they they were able to do some things they wanted to do. The problem for Texas and Oklahoma, no matter who comes out of the Red River shootout as the winner, is number one, that was your only game that matters since, let's say, Texas-Alabama. Number two, you better win every other game and win them big to cement your four spot in the playoff. Because as you've already mentioned, there's too many teams in the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the SEC that are going to bump off a Pac-12 champion if they have one loss. So Texas and Oklahoma have to be flawless, and there's only one of them that can be to to, to win the, the Big 12 title. But the playoff spot is on the line. I think Texas is a very, very good football team, but they're not going to have the strength of schedule argument here in a couple weeks. Once they're done with Oklahoma, that's it. That's ball game for their schedule. And it presents a real problem for them because they're a very good physical football team, but they could find themselves in that five or six spot and get left all the way out of the playoff altogether. Yeah, and, um, you know, like you said, Texas doesn't really have, other than Oklahoma, there's not a lot pushing them in that league. TCU fell. I mean, obviously they're not nearly the team they were. Um, so what we look at for Texas in the next few weeks, they've got Kansas, which is a team that's sitting over there winning football games kind of quietly. You know, um, it'll be interesting to see how that Texas-Kansas game goes. And then that gets followed up with Oklahoma. And, uh, and then there's a game at Houston over the next few weeks. A uh, couple of big games coming up. You know, there's several undefeated teams still out there that we don't know a lot about that aren't maybe big names. Kansas is one of them. You know, they're out there just winning football games. I'm curious to see what Texas does with that. A route. It'll be That's a route, Terry. I Kansas mean, you expect good, that. Kansas hasn't been good since Mark Mangino was the head coach. Don't worry about Kansas. They're done. Well, Don't worry about you say that, but think about Stop it right it, totally. now. Honestly, I have to question, you know, and we'll talk about Alabama a little bit later. And people, you know, I'm an Auburn guy, so it's hard for me to say anything bad about Alabama. But I think Saban and his staff are figuring some things out. And if they played Texas again today, I kind of wonder what would happen. Anyway, just throwing that out there. So they now would that, lose. I don't know. Maybe Alabama does not have it figured out. 
Milrow did not look good against Ole Miss. He still did not look comfortable inside of his own offense. And they still haven't developed an offense exclusive to him, which was your point last week, that that's what they need to do is build the offense around him if he's their quarterback. Their defense made mistakes that they typically don't make. They had more penalties than they typically do. And Ole Miss just did not make the most of the opportunities given to him. Well, that's true. Saban wins by he prowls ahead. The pre prowls the sidelines. That's why you win. Nick well, Saban's good for two touchdowns every time he puts a headset on. <laughs> so I will say you're right about the penalties. That's been a two year problem for them, and it's really gotten no. in their way. They've had five touchdowns called back this year. That is crazy. More touchdowns no. called back than games they've played. That and you know a- what's really unnerving is he's not screaming about it. Yes. He, he is. He knows it's such a problem. It's almost like he's. I don't want to say Saban's defeated because I'd never say that about him. But you know, he'll pick on the stupidest little things that just might have missed yes. a block here, yes. or the inside technique was over, or they could have pass rushed like this, or when you're guarding the corner, you need to play lockdown of the wrap round instead of the inside arm. Use the outside arm. He'll break all that stuff down to the most minute, minuscule factor. He is not talking about the penalties other than to mention in broad strokes, we had too many penalties again this week. Yeah. But he's not. these are not the disciplined Nick Saban football teams that you're accustomed to seeing. Because they it, didn't make – his championship teams did not commit penalties to speak of. Well, it makes me wonder if he just doesn't have the confidence in these guys. And he rides guys that he believes in. I wonder if he just doesn't believe in some of guys and that's a bold statement probably because he he normally tends to get the best out of these guys but he is like you said he is treating this team so differently than any other team that he's had there and there's got to be a reason for that i mean i don't know if miss terry's talking to him telling him to cool off maybe he went to the doctor and he had some high blood pressure or something i can't imagine how he couldn't have high blood pressure the way he acts for decades but um Something is very (laughs) I mean, something's very different about him this year. The way he reacts. I mean, he's been saying a lot about I'm letting my I'm letting my guys enjoy their win. He's never talked that way. Never. Mm -mm. Anyway, we'll No, it's always been on to the next game. Like like that Bill Belichick thing. On to the next one. Yeah. Yeah, so this anyway, is, I've always considered Coach Saban opposite of how Dion handles stuff. You know, Coach Saban very obviously says, okay, we beat them by 40, but here's how we screwed up. We're not getting that Nick Saban this year. Anyway, let's move along a little bit. We talked about the Big 12. Um, what is our thoughts on the pecking order? What do we think about Oklahoma? We, we pretty much said that nobody but Oklahoma stands a chance against Texas, right? What kind of chance does Oklahoma stand? Is Texas walking away with this like we said, or, or we feel different? I, I don't think Texas walks away with it, not like last year where they won 49-0 to zero in the Red River shootout. I think Venables and his staff have got the right guys in place. I think they make it a football game. Um Obviously, my prediction was that it was a one-loss Big 12 champion in Texas. It's going to be an undefeated champion in Texas now since they did beat Alabama. 
but they've got to beat every team and they got to beat them big. And the and the biggest match they're going to have is against Oklahoma. The Red River Shootout is one of those games where it doesn't matter what the record is, throw it out the books. But I give the edge in physicality to Texas, both on offense and defense. Um, Oklahoma's going to have some plays in the book to go ahead and try to to slow that physicality and that speed and that that strength of that defense down. Um, they always do, but I think Texas is going to pull that one out in a couple weeks. But again, they got to keep winning. To your point, don't overlook Kansas. I mean, I made fun of them, and I did it because right. I said they hadn't been good since Mangino was there. But and he was a great coach for Kansas. But yeah, I think so. I think. I honestly think that it is a two-horse race. I really do. I think it's down to Texas-Oklahoma this year. K-State hasn't quite performed the way they were supposed to. That loss to Missouri, all joking aside between you and me, I would have expected K-State to be a top-15 football team all year long. But they just haven't had that consistency this year. Baylor was awful. Um, We know Oklahoma State is not good. Iowa State is not good. TCU has fallen off the map. Um, so again, you're out of options. Not good. They lost to Iowa State. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, he's a man. He's 58 or something like that. But <laughs> he is a man whose football team sucks. That's who they he are. Is. Awful. <laughs> I, that is a shocker because I like him. I mean, I like how he coaches. I like how he talks, but. Man, something is missing big time over there. Well, in, in Stillwater, they always have good football teams. Since Gundy's been there, they've always had good football teams, and they don't have it at all this year. Not at all. It's not even close. Yeah, that is – that is. I mean, it's getting bad. And he, he'll be very defensive about it. He, he's kind of like Dabo when it comes to defending his guys, which is good. But um, I don't know. It, it is it it is a big shocker to me that they are as bad as they are. So That's I think right. we, yeah, yeah, I think we definitely think that Oklahoma, if they had some kind of miracle, could could push on Texas. But the probability there is that Texas wins out and, and um, goes to the, possibly goes to the playoff, but wins the conference there. Yep. All right, let's move to number four. We're going to start getting interesting here. Number four, Ohio State jumps up to the oh, number four off. spot. I don't remember oh. what number. I didn't put what number they were last week, so sorry. Lack of detail on my 10 pages of notes here, apparently. Um, the bottom line, Ohio State wins with a second left. You know, we first thought that the clock ran out, but there was still a second left, and we tried that throwing lateral nonsense but they went over Notre Dame with Notre Dame with 10 players on the field on defense. Chip Trainum in his sixth carry of the year plunges into the end zone to win this football game. Ohio State proves to 4-0, improves to 4-0. Notre Dame falls to 4-1, and and they've got an extra game because of their Ireland trip in week zero. But um, two good football teams, I think, like we talked about earlier, Notre Dame had opportunities to make this a win, and they just didn't do it. No, interception, interception, drop, missed opportunity. Two fourth downs, missed opportunity. Forced the third down to fourth down, missed opportunity. Ten men on the field instead of 11, missed opportunity. 
that entire drive went every way Ohio State needed it to and absolutely 100% against Notre Dame. Notre Dame will be back. Good football teams get beat. It doesn't matter. The way they respond is what matters most now, is how are they going to respond from this loss? Because they still have an outside shot of making the playoffs. That was a very impressive game against Ohio State. And Ohio State was favored to win. And they're supposed to win those football games against Notre Dame because they have the far better talent, or so they thought. What that game showed me is Notre Dame is closing the talent gap. They are certainly able to play with the big boys and the blue chippers and the royal family of college football in the Michigans, the Ohio States. We're going to see them play at USC, and you said Clemson too. So I'm very, very, very um, excited to see what happens with Notre Dame. I am not a Notre Dame fan. But if it's another good football team that's going to produce good football games, I'm all in. I am all in for that. And if they're going to be a team that maybe down the line can beat Ohio State, I'm all for it because fuck Ohio State already. I don't know why you constantly vote them higher than they deserve to be. They're lucky they even get airtime on my my show here. They're lucky I even mentioned them. Ohio State sucks so bad. I cannot stand these motherfuckers. They ain't won but one game that mattered. They played patty cake with two of the other three games that they've played. And so they better get their shit together because they ain't got but two games left on their schedule either. And it's Ohio State versus Penn State and Ohio State versus Big Brother Michigan. So I hear you. You know, I put Ohio State pretty far up there. I get it. I'll go into some of that logic when we get to some of the other teams. But um this is the kind of football game I like. I know that a lot of people don't like a 3-0 halftime game. I do. I like I, do. I like the prog- I like the process of having a first half where the defenses are lighting it up. The offenses are trying to figure out how do we do anything against these defenses. Somewhere in the second half, third quarter, things start loosening up a little bit. You have a little bit of back and forth. Defenses are still playing hard, but you're getting some big chunks once in a while. Some play action, maybe you're hitting the tight end and you hadn't tried to do that all game. Maybe you found some hole in the defense you didn't see in the first half. I love the logic and the coaching analysis behind this because, you know, these 56-52 games are flashy, but – Man, I love a good defensive game when the offenses gradually figure out what to do. There is nothing better than that. And that probably boosted Ohio State up. I'll admit it. That probably boosted Ohio State up in my mind because they won that kind of game. Okay, Penn State's going to be able to win that kind of game too. I don't think they played the team that's going to put that on them. I don't give Iowa that much credit. But um, I, I pulled Ohio State up pretty far, and that's what caused some of this confusion this week. But, man, did I love this football game. Yeah, it was an excellent football game, Terry, all the way. Excellent football game. So, um, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying, it was it was an excellent football game. I I think Notre Dame really was their own worst enemy on that final drive of the game, and I think Notre Dame beat Notre Dame. I don't think Ohio State beat Notre Dame. But, um, you know, they did just enough. It's that old Bill Bill Schneider mentality. 
Did you win the game or did you lose the game? Well, I think Notre Dame lost the game. You know, they didn't win it. They lost it. So um, they had every opportunity to beat Ohio State to get that that big, big, big win that they needed. But, um, I mean, I'm disappointed that we think that much of Ohio State when they haven't delivered. And then they deliver in a game like this, but they do it in a way that we're not accustomed to. The Ohio State we've grown accustomed to is the big flashy offense led by the big quarterbacks and running backs. They're going to put 40 points on you, and they're going to make you look silly. This Ohio State team was forced to fight this one out, and that might actually go a long way that they've already been in a dogfight because they got two more coming. Yeah, Penn State's not going to roll over for them, and neither is Michigan. So they got two more coming, and this is only going to favor Ohio State because neither Penn State nor Michigan are going to play Notre Dame. Yeah, so, you know, next week for Ohio State, or the next game at least, we've got Maryland. Maryland's another undefeated team that nobody's talking about. They've got one of those Tagovailoa's up there, and he's, um, you know, living in the shadow of his brother, but um, – they continue to win football games up there. Then there's a game against Purdue, which is not a very good team. And then there's a huge matchup with Ohio State and Penn State on October 21st. Oh. That's going to be big. Well, and on the uh, topic of Maryland, there are also Maryland's head coach is Mike Loxley, who used to be the offensive coordinator for the Roll Tide, Alabama, defending national title, you know, all that, Terry. They won a lot of titles down there. Six of them, I think, since Saban's been there. You can, you know, let yeah, all your fans. I, I'm know. not. I'm not going to look that up. You know, I think I've lived <laughs> that, so I don't. I don't know that I need to look it up. It, it's it is kind of ingrained in my heart here. Yeah, it's six. Yeah, so six that year is, one. So that's where we're headed. So you know, we got Ohio State at four, and I will say, I voted oh, Ohio State the top. Big Ten team. Andrew voted Penn State the top Big Ten team. But we both voted Michigan the number two Big Ten team. And somehow those sneaky bastards ended up at number three in the top ten, even though neither one of us put them against put them higher than Ohio State and Penn State. That's how the math works. Don't shoot the messenger. Michigan at number three. Um, they're hanging in there. <laughs> You know, I need to get better at these notes. I don't remember what they were last week. They were pretty high. The bottom line. They were number two. Okay. They were number three last week, too. So, I guess that's why I said they're hanging in there. I need to be more consistent on what I write. But, anyway, Michigan wins against their toughest opponent, which isn't saying much. (laughs) 31-7 against Rutgers. And, like I said, Rutgers is not all that bad, and they handle it. Michigan improves to 4-0. Rutgers gets their first loss. They're now three and one. You know, like we said, we keep saying it. Okay, Michigan hasn't played anybody. They also haven't played down to anybody's level. Um, but here, here's the bad part about that for those that are really pissed off about Michigan being so high. They're going to be nine and zero oh, unless your Nebraska Cornhuskers can come in there and do something to them. You know, I expect Michigan to be nine and zero. Oh, before they face Penn State, because there is not much in the way of that. Not at all. Not at all. The the uh, Big Ten is way down. Now, you said it, Michigan, 
consistent. 31 points, playing offense, playing defense. They're not doing anything flashy. It's come at you, smash mouth, play action, defense. It's Jim Harbaugh football. That's what we're seeing here at Michigan right now. And it's 30 points, and they're letting them score one, you know. I mean, they they haven't let anybody score more than one time. It's right. not like Michigan's playing bad football. But these are teams you would think that they would beat more than by the margins of victory. However, this is what I will say. Michigan is dangerously consistent. And if they can't have a game where they can take off, then they're going to have trouble. Now, I am not a delusional fan. And Terry gets to confess this here in a couple minutes when we talk about who Georgia plays this week. I am not delusional in the thought that I think Nebraska is going to beat Michigan. Can Nebraska play with Michigan? The team I saw, the number one rush defense in the country, less than 1.8 yards per carry against uh, yes. Do the number six rushing attack in the country? Uh, yes. I believe that team can play with Michigan. Here's what's going to happen, though. The athletes of Michigan, the bigger guys, the physical guys, they're going to wear Nebraska down. If Nebraska turns the ball over, this game is over. So Nebraska has to keep maintain ball control. They cannot be sloppy with the football. If I see Jeff Sims come onto the field Saturday, you're probably going to hear me stroke from wherever you're at, Terry, because I'll have a fit if he comes on the if he comes out on the field. I mean, he's had eight turnovers. He's had the small injury. He's not. He's his. The team right now is playing really physical football. It's a signature of a Matt Rule coach football team. They're going to play good defense. They're going to play very aggressive offense. Um, and like I said, Nebraska's defense looks as good as it has in years running this three-three-five scheme. They have not, even with Colorado and Minnesota, because they've already had a conference loss in Minnesota, they haven't seen the type of football team Michigan brings to the table. And I'm not here to kiss Michigan's ass. I think Penn State's the best team in the Big Ten. I'm telling you, I think they win the Big Ten uh, the way they're playing football. That defense is their star, which I told you they didn't have. But Nebraska has that same thing. They've got a defense that's the star of the team. And those guys are form tackling. They're open field tackling. They're gang tackling. They're getting sacks. Oh, yeah, I forgot that stat. They're like number six in the country for sacks, too. So, I mean, this is a team that's getting after the defense. They can pressure Michigan. The problem is how long can they play with them? If their offense makes mistakes, you can put this one to bed fairly early. Now, the defense may bend, and I don't see them breaking until the fourth quarter. And that's just going to simply be they get worn out and they're down. But um, I think Michigan wins this one. I'll put my my Huskers down by three touchdowns or more, and that's not because their defense won't show up. It's because Nebraska's offense is horrible, and they're going to give the ball up to Michigan two or three times. Where do you compare where Nebraska is today in your head versus the Colorado game? Do you think they've made improvements and they learned a lot of lessons from that? Because I know they've got a good defense, obviously, but they got – there were probably some lessons learned there. I think you're right that there's some lessons learned because, you know, the Colorado I, – I told you maybe – maybe I told you, maybe it wasn't you. I think Nebraska should be 3-1. and one. I think they should have beat Minnesota – but I don't think they should have beat Colorado. I think Colorado was too good of a football team for them. 
you can't turn the ball over, but even if they hadn't turned the ball over, Shadir Sanders and the creativity, and they had it in Boulder, I think they come away with the win. Now, it's not going to be 19 points, whatever, 20, 22 points, whatever it was. I think it was 22 points. It's not going to be that margin of error when you don't when you don't turn the ball over four times, you know. But uh, I think Nebraska's learned some things. I think their defense is really starting to gel. I think their offense is trying to find that identity as a physical football team. The unfortunate thing is two of their two of their running backs are hurt now because they're trying to be a physical football team. So we'll see how that pans out. But um, no, I think Nebraska's defense, especially. And I've been high on their defense since I saw them play Minnesota. Um, I think Nebraska's defense is the star, and I think they do give Michigan some fits. Now, make no mistake about it, Michigan should win this football game. If Nebraska wins this football game, they're going to turn the college football upside down for this season. Yeah, I think there's a lot of confusion when we talk about some connections and games that have happened with these teams. Um, I think it takes a certain type of team to really put it to this Colorado team. I think they have, and we talked about the skill positions versus the line of scrimmage. Um, I think they have the skill positions to really put it on a lot of the teams in the country. Oregon is just a different type of team against them. So, Nebraska is early in the process, so they were able to do that to Nebraska. Now, Nebraska, as we said, has a good defense. I do kind of wonder, because Michigan appears to have a really good defense, but we have not seen that flashy offense put a test on them yet. And that's what I wonder with Michigan going forward. Is this defense as good as the numbers show? and as consistent as the numbers show, or have they just not faced that? And I don't think Nebraska has that offense at this point. And I think, like you said, that's they the don't. part that's going to keep them from being really competing to win this game. Yeah, I think their offense is just too – I mean, they're they're the they're the bad spot on the football team. And that's – you know, Nebraska was known for offense for 50 years or 40 years, but I, I mean – they aren't that team anymore. This isn't this isn't running back university. This isn't the team that in one year had two people on the Heisman Trophy ballot, not once but twice. So this isn't this isn't that team anymore. So um I think like I said, I think Michigan wins and they should win. And they should. Uh if they don't win, Michigan's not nearly as good as you thought they were. Oh, I will gladly drop them if Nebraska beats Michigan there. I mean, obviously. I will say I've got a note that I didn't say that's worthy of saying. Jim Harbaugh, back from the hamburger suspension in week yeah. four to go 4-0. and So now let's so look stupid. ahead. <laughs> so stupid because the NCAA suspends him, lifts the suspension. Michigan says, nah, we'll suspend him anyway, but we'll do it for three games instead of four. Well, not only what? that. You've got that going on, and then their quarterback is wearing this free Harbaugh thing. It's like the NCAA didn't do that to you. Your own school did that to you. Who are you talking to? Michigan did that to him. Yeah, exactly. And then they had – I think the first week they had some kind of weird formation thing on the field, like he died or something. Like, oh, my goodness, give me a freaking break. I like the man, but this is a little bit overblown. He's going to be back. 
just don't buy any more cheeseburgers. I don't know if there was cheese on it or if it was just a regular hamburger. Don't buy any more cheeseburgers for your players. You know, it sounds so stupid, especially in this NIL era that we're, we're having a suspension based on, and I'm sure there's more details. Somebody's screaming at me listening to this, but my understanding is, and I will forever call it the hamburger suspension. Anyway, exactly. looking forward for Michigan, they've got Nebraska next week at Nebraska. Then they play Minnesota and then Indiana. So, like I said, you know, Nebraska's got a decent defense, like we said. They're missing the offense. But if you look at the slate of games ahead of Michigan, it is a red carpet leading to Pennsylvania in a game on November 11th against Penn State. That is going to be so freaking huge. And at that point, who knows? These might be the top two teams on our on our top ten at that point. You know, after Auburn beats Georgia this weekend, we're going to have to do something. Right? <laughs> I'm saying my prayers. Anyway, so that's where we are with that. But this is the top-rated Big Ten team on our top on our uh, top ten. Um, We've kind of talked about a little bit of this. Where do we see the pecking order? To me, when I look at the Big Ten, these divisions seem not well balanced. You've got the big-name teams over here, and then this other division is just not a lot. What are your thoughts there? You're the Big Ten guy here. Tell me what you're expecting from the rest of the season here. It's it's always been that way. The West has never been as strong as the East. I think – that um, Nebraska loses to Michigan, they're going to lose a couple other games, but they're actually going to come out with the winning season. I think that Michigan is uh, Michigan and Ohio State are tied for third, and it's it's Penn State with first and second. I'm going to give them first and second, Terry, because I feel like being ridiculous tonight. First and second is Penn State in the Big Ten, and then it's everybody else right now. Yeah. Penn State is playing as a football team, and that's what you have to do. It's as a football team. Obviously, Ohio State, Michigan, they're going to be huge games. Ohio State, Michigan's a huge game. Penn State, Michigan, Michigan, Ohio, whatever, you know, the whole deal, the, the all triangle. But to your point, the only team we haven't really mentioned is Wisconsin. Yeah. But Wisconsin lost a game they shouldn't have lost. Fickle's a new coach. We'll see what happens. But I think. Penn State wins the Big Ten, and the reason I think Penn State wins the Big Ten is none of us picked Penn State to win the Big Ten. You know, I questioned them early in the season saying, hey, do they have that playmaker? I've decided their defense is that playmaker. They are playing such good defense right now, best defense in the Big Ten, and I think you can make a case, Terry. They're playing some of the best defense in the country. When you got nine takeaways in two games against rushing teams, I mean, these are teams known for that. They held Iowa to 75 yards, 75 yards. You know, that. I mean, that's like yesterday where Miami put 70 on Denver. I know we don't talk pro football, but the Miami Dolphins beat the Denver Broncos 70 to 20. Are you shitting me? And McDaniel, the head coach in Miami, used to be a ball boy for the Broncos. It's crazy, and that's what I'm saying. Then you're watching – then you watch Penn State take a very well-established running team of Iowa and neuter them and take the ball away from them four times and score 31 on them. It's absolutely ridiculous. 
Ohio State's got the athletes. Michigan's got the athletes. But I think it's Penn State's turn. So my order, Penn State, one and two. Fuck Ohio State at three. And go Big Blue Michigan tied at three. Fuck, fuck Ohio State. I don't want anyone to get my message twisted or lost that I am not sincere when I say that. So in your head, then, who is Penn State dominating in the Big Ten championship game? Are we saying Wisconsin? That's the only it's team be there without it's a loss. It's got to be Wisconsin. It can't be Nebraska. It's got to be Wisconsin. Right, yeah, because I'm looking at this list, and we've got you know, we've got Wisconsin sitting there. They're 1-0 in conference. Everybody else in that division has a loss. Yep. All right. Yep. Now, we'll Nebraska with- can run the table in the West, and they can actually make the Big Ten title. But I'm going with Wisconsin, even though I'm not a Luke Fickle guy. I mean, he was the head coach of Ohio State the last time Nebraska beat Ohio State. But I'm going with Wisconsin simply because – they're going to win. They're a good football team. They're going to win some games. Um, and I think that they'll give any of those three teams a fight, but it's going to be Penn State, and it's going to be in Indianapolis this year. All right. Sounds good. Oh, that's my first sounds good in a while. You said it twice tonight. Have but I it will be a t shirt coming to TNATop10.com <laughs> right along with our Manscaped commercial we shot earlier. And nobody oh, heard yeah. me. We shot earlier. What what is in people's heads now? My goodness. Okay. We had a manscape commercial. I told Terry to put it in reverse. He didn't understand what I meant. Oh boy, let's not get into that. Anyway, let's go to number two. The Florida State Seminoles after their overtime victory against Clemson. They climb out of a three-way tie to take the number two spot on their own. Florida State improves after the 31-24 overtime victory over Clemson to 4-0 while Clemson falls to 2-2. They've got to be the best two-loss team in the country, but they fall to their big rival, Florida State. This has got to be a big mental win for the Seminoles because Clemson has had their number for a while. They're pretty happy down there in Tallahassee. Yeah, I mean, Florida State come out, you know, I told I told y'all, I told the world, because I'm an idiot, that Florida State was going to beat Clemson by 17. Part of what made me say Florida State was going to beat Clemson by 17 was the way Florida State dominated LSU. This was a much different Clemson football team, though, than the one we saw that lost to Duke. Right. This This Clemson football team was disrespected. They weren't ranked. Dabo's pissed off. The team's pissed off. The whole deal. And, I mean, that's the way it should be. But they couldn't close. They couldn't finish. And now we have that same sort of thing going on everywhere else. They couldn't finish the game. And uh, Clemson and Death Valley had every advantage in the world. But that scoop and score really turned the momentum when the defender for Florida State number four jarred the bar loose and he ran it back for the touchdown. Um, huge moment in that game. Then missing the field goal at the end of the game in regulation by Clemson. Clemson had a chance to win that football game, and they didn't. And then, of course, they couldn't get it done in overtime. Seminoles win. To me, Seminoles beat both Clemson and LSU in the same month. That puts yes. them up there at number two. And the only reason, and I've said this already, and I'm addressing one of our fans 
who asked us how we could not we have put a fan? Florida State. Yeah, we do. We've got 27 listeners, but one fan. They Our called themselves fan a fan, said, by the way. We didn't. We didn't label them that. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't do that. That's why we know we've got at least one fan because <laughs> he said it of himself. But he asked the following question, and this is what he said: Could I make an argument that Florida State should be number one over Georgia? Florida State has played better teams and won over better quality of opponents this season, where Georgia's not played any good teams and look good while playing them. Okay, let's correct that. South Carolina is better than most teams in the Big Ten West there, so let's get that taken care of right now. The six-man rush adjustment was what they needed, and Georgia went ahead and let all hell flake loose. But here's the thing, and maybe it's because I'm a professional wrestling fan. (laughs) You take the shot at the king, you better not miss. Georgia, two-time national champion, going for the three-peat. Only three other teams since 1970 have had that chance. Three times. The 70-71 the Huskers, the 94-95 Huskers, and the 03-04 Trojans of USC. Oh, and I lied. Alabama in ten and eleven could have gotten it again in nine or nine and ten, ten and eleven, whatever. So I guess it was not ten. Thank you. You knew what I meant. That was the year they went ten and three. So they went okay. So they had it in nine and they had it in eleven and twelve. Thank God we kept them from. It was eleven and twelve. So it could have been thirteen. Put it in reverse, Terry. Don't don't put it in reverse, Andrew. You mean? Yeah. Put it in reverse, Terry. So my point is, there's only been four opportunities for a three-peat. Georgia's on number five. Bottom line is, until they lose, they're number one. So we'll get to Georgia in a minute. It's not going to be a shocker when we reveal number one, obviously, because we haven't mentioned them. We'll get into some logic there. Let me talk about a little bit of my logic here with Florida State. Um, I don't... I don't treat an overtime win as a loss. I don't treat it as a tie. But if I'm considering two teams, it is a factor. So I got to the point where I was trying to decide between Florida State and Michigan. And if Florida State had won that game in regulation, we would not be seeing Michigan as high in this in this order here. So there's a little logic for you. You may not agree with it. I don't care. I don't. That's how I know I you feel. don't. Um, you know, I've been around a long time. I've got gray hair in my beard here. Um, 44 years tomorrow, folks. You know, yeah, by the way, when this comes out, probably when you listen to it, I will be 44 at least, unless you're staying up super late to get this after I do my audio editing. Or, I'm sorry, after I hand it over to the audio guys to do the editing. Ha ha. I don't um, do shit on this show. I'm just the entertainment. <laughs> So anyway, you know, that's the way I think. I mean, there used to be ties. I get it. You know, some you do treat it differently and you go into overtime and you win if you have to, but I've got I've got to treat that a little bit differently than I treat a regulation win. It's not dragging them down. This might be if if we talk about this thing I talked about earlier with the boost and the anti boost or whatever we call the anti-boost, this might be vax, where I would vote them. Yeah, this might be where I would, I would put the anti-boost on Florida State here for that overtime victory. You dirty but I would go ahead and, and boost them up a little bit 
and, and rank them based on the record and then put the anti-boost. So we got a lot to talk about. I kind of like that idea. We need to, we need to flesh it out a little bit. So, you know, I think I've done my analysis here. I'm not, you know, here's another one of those kind of like Iowa. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking at LSU like they're world beaters here. I'm sorry. I don't. I mean, I'm an SEC guy. My team's in the SEC West. LSU is going to beat us by at least two touchdowns. But that doesn't mean that I feel like LSU is as high as some people seem to put them this year. Um, I have not been overly impressed with them. Um, I'm waiting to see them show up and demolish teams like they're supposed to. And they're letting teams play with them. And Arkansas. They had to come from behind to beat Arkansas this week. Yeah. Kind I of mean, like I told you they would. Yeah. To me, that is not that is not worthy of boosting them up, you know. So I'm not gonna do it. Clemson, I'll forgive them for that Duke loss because they played against Florida State. Um, I'm waiting yeah. to see what they do next, but but LSU, I'm still waiting on that one game to prove to me, you know, kind of like Iowa, like I said prove to me that you are worthy of me putting you on that pedestal as a comparative factor when I'm ranking two teams. But anyway, that's my thoughts. Um, on the horizon for Florida State, they've got a absolutely horrible Virginia Tech team coming up. And then they've got two currently undefeated teams in a row in Syracuse. Hey, I mentioned Syracuse. Somebody's been asking me to mention Syracuse for a while. And yeah, well, Duke. Devin's an idiot, so, you know, there you go. I didn't mention any names. I didn't mention any names. I did. Anyway. Devin, so. Syracuse sucks. They're not got a chance against Florida State. Go Knowles. Dave and the QC wins again. There, so, I got my plug in for the week, too. <laughs> Let me check that off. Anyway, I'm pretty interested in this Duke game because Duke keeps plugging along. Um, I'm not sure they're the level of – what they showed against Clemson, or if Clemson just hadn't figured it out yet. But uh, they're not going to roll over for Florida State. So I'm pretty interested in that game. I believe that game's in Tallahassee. That should be helpful to Florida State. Um, and with that, why don't we move into a re-evaluation of the ACC. How do we see this ACC stacking up? At the beginning of the year, I picked Florida State. Let me pat myself on the back real quick. And you picked Clemson. Um, what yeah. are we seeing here? So, for the record, once again, I overlooked Florida State and went completely blank the day we picked them. However, See, I that preparation helps. It does. I, yeah. Well, hey, look, I got my yellow pad. Tell our fans, <laughs> Carrie, I got notes. At least you think that's what's on it because I keep waving it in front of the camera. And it's but, blurry. Um, Every time you do that, yeah, your it, camera refocuses and it's just not. And it's funny when yeah. you start moving around, and I wish people could see this. When you're moving around, it's going from landscape to um, to portrait. So you're like just bouncing around back and <laughs> forth. It's hilarious. Anyway. So anyway, the deal is though, Florida State's probably the team to beat in the ACC. I would not overlook the Tar Heels. I would not overlook Duke. And quite frankly, as much as I tease Devin, Syracuse is having themselves a very nice start, very quiet start to this season, but they're undefeated. So, yeah. um, 
I'm not saying they're going to beat FSU, but Boston College wasn't supposed to play with Florida State either. So there's that. Um, I like still I think said, that I Florida, think Florida State, State was confused is. because they looked at the uniforms that Boston College was wearing and, and they got confused and didn't know who they needed to hit. Yeah, I think Florida State, I think Florida State though is the is the cream of the crop, but I think Duke is a very dangerous football team. Um so to run it down a little bit, you're talking about Duke, years. but I mean we've got Louisville, Duke, North Carolina, Miami, Syracuse. They've all shown life this season. Yep. Yeah, but I think Florida State's still head and shoulders above the rest. And again, that's tradition, that's athleticism, that's the school recruiting ability. Um, and I think Travis has a special thing about him. He's got that it factor, the Florida State quarterback. Yep. You can see he plays with an edge. He's a little chippy. He's very competitive. Uh, he he takes it upon himself to be the leader of that football team. If you're Mike Norville, those are the things you want to see. You want to see your quarterback get emotional at least for 10 seconds and get hot and get motivated, get his other guys motivated to come play the next play. So I think Florida State's in a great position, but I would not sleep on Duke. And they got Miami too. And they're going to have, um, not Clemson, but uh, I forget who else. They've got Miami and they've got Duke. Um, but I don't think they've got – I got it right here. Hold on. I don't think that's anybody else. They've got Miami and Duke. And Miami um, – oh, Florida. They also have to play Florida. Oh, That's yeah. my bad. Um, so those are the three ranked opponents as of today that they have left on the schedule. But like you Florida said, you got Louisville and Syracuse that are undefeated as well. So, um, I mean, it's not going to be easy for anybody. Uh, but I think I like Florida State for the ACC at this point since Clemson has just dropped and they've laid an egg this season. Um. But yeah. they really haven't either because they were such they're a very good football team. They've just gotten beat twice. They're 0-2 in conference, but it happens to be probably the two best teams other than them in the conference. So if you look at the standing, Clemson is way down there. But it's early in the season, and they're going to climb. Now, at the top, you've got Florida State and Louisville, both 2-0. and but then you've got Duke, North Carolina, NC State, all 1-0. and And, um, you know, there's still teams that haven't played a conference game. Miami hasn't played a conference game. Syracuse hasn't played a conference game. Um, there's some good teams there. I mean, we could see I – mean, that Duke-Florida State game is going to be huge. Because, I mean, if Duke were able to pull off Florida State and Clemson wins, I don't see how they don't end up winning. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's that's regular season. You know, these conference ga- title games could flip everything on their head, who knows. Well, and with the and with the ACC if I'm not mistaken since there's no conferences, they take number 1 and number 2. Right. And they play them. So you could literally could be Duke and Florida State 1 and 2. Yeah. And you could see a rematch or you could see Miami slagging or whatever, it's 1 and 2. So Exactly. All right. I'm not saying it again. I started to. You were about to get your third mark on that, but we're moving along. Number one, no big surprise here. Maybe you guys disagree with it, but the Georgia Bulldogs stay 
with both first place votes at number one in the TNA top 10. The final score of this game, not overly impressive. They won pretty comfortably, but the final score, Georgia beats UAB 49 to 21. UAB falls to one and three while Georgia climbs to four and oh. And here's a little comparison. The score was a little bit better, but not too much better than the previous week's Louisiana UAB game. So why is Georgia not beating UAB a lot worse than Louisiana is? That's what I want. And we have radio silence on the other. You have radio silence, yes, because I'm getting a drink. Um, no, seriously, Florida or Florida State, God, Andrew, Georgia, Georgia has got to get out of the blocks. Otherwise, um, they're going to run into a team that can actually play, and it's going to be ugly. The thing that keeps me thinking that Georgia is up there, and look, I. You know, I don't know how much of this I've talked about so far, but it's been running through my head. Um, and I've talked about it a little bit. I see teams and I see programs. Georgia is a program. However, I also I have a lot of question marks when programs have new quarterbacks. We've seen Alabama reload with a new quarterback. We doubt them, and then they prove us wrong. You know, I kind of get a same feel for Georgia. However, like you said, man, this team continues to start out slow. However, it was the second quarter on Saturday, and I texted you, hey, Andrew, Georgia is tied 7-7 in the second quarter with UAB. Then I think I went to the bathroom and came back, and it was 28-7. That is how quickly that happened. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but Georgia decided they were going to show up for a little bit, and they just put it on them. And after that point, they kind of ran away with it. They allowed a little bit more on defense. I don't know if that was after subs came in or what, but um, this reminds me a lot. You know, obviously, I'm an Auburn guy. In 2004, I spent every week rooting against USC. And they did this same thing. They would be playing Oregon State, and it would be halftime, and they would be getting beat, and they would score 40 points in the second half and blow them out. That's the feeling I get from Georgia this year. Yeah, so Georgia, for whatever reason, is not starting well. But damn it if they can't finish. And, I mean, I'm not making light of what you just said, Terry. We saw it with South Carolina. They go down 14 to 3 halftime. South Carolina doesn't get another first down or seemingly doesn't get another first down. Here comes the six man rush. Here comes the rushing attack. And Georgia's back in business doing what they do. Kirby Smart, though, cannot afford for his football teams to continue to start like this. They run into a gamey Florida, they run into a Tennessee that's ready to knock somebody off. And they're not going to have a chance to get up. I mean, because they'll keep coming. We saw what Florida did to Tennessee, and we know what Josh Heifel's offense is capable of at Tennessee. It's I, I don't see a world where Georgia can play two and a half quarters for the rest of the season and win football games. 
they have got to start playing 60 minutes of football. Because let's face it, we talked about the Pac-12 already and the Big Ten. It gets to playoff time, and Georgia does get in there after winning the SEC title. Well, damn it if they're not going to have to uh, be able to find a way to play four quarters because Oregon isn't going to slow down because it's Georgia. Texas isn't going to slow down because it's Georgia. You know, they'll relish that opportunity to make the biggest and best team in the in the country look silly and to beat them. And that's ultimately what I think Georgia needs to understand is the bullseye square on their fucking back. Like, they make no mistake about it. If you get the chance to knock off the big dog, no pun intended, you knock off the big dog. But, you know, it's like the wire taught me so many years ago. If you take a shot at the king, you better not miss. And so Georgia has not looked like the dominating Georgia football team in the last couple of seasons. But then again, they kind of just slap people around and they win by 25 points and we call it a week. Yes, that's true. So honestly, and we're going to go into it in a little bit of detail here in a minute, but you know, I don't see anybody in the West. Uh, this was a great opportunity for somebody to step up, and, and they've all decided they're not going to. You know, this is where I get into LSU having a great opportunity to, to show up and be that team. You know, Alabama slips a little bit. I mean, somebody has to show up and do it. Um, so, on the horizon for Georgia, um, Auburn hosts them this weekend. Um, you know, obviously – I'm watching Auburn pretty closely, and Auburn has just decided they don't know what they're doing on offense. I'll dig into that when we analyze the the SEC in a minute. But um, after Auburn, they have Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Kentucky I don't know a lot about. They keep winning, but I still don't know much about them. And Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt. Let's We can't pretend they're anything else. So let's go ahead and dive into the Southeastern Conference a little bit now. Um, so we both picked Georgia to win the conference. We both picked Alabama to win the West. Um, do you see anything different there? It might look different, but do you see anything different in those picks? I think that uh, Alabama finds a way. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't think – let me put it this way. You know, I've got this big list of games that we didn't mention because neither's in the top ten, but that Alabama game, Lane Kiffin will never beat Nick Saban. Give up on that thought because this was the time to do it, and he blew it, and he, he will not. Ole Miss is not going to be good enough, and Alabama's not going to be bad enough while Nick Saban's there for this to happen. And he got beat by 17. And he's just not ever going to do it. That's my bold stance there. Um, I agree with that. Before you move on, I 100% agree with that. Here's why. There were multiple occasions in this game where Lane Kiffin could have capitalized on mistakes that Alabama made. And instead, it's Alabama reverting the mistake and turning it back on Ole Miss. I was, I was extremely sincere in my comments last week that I thought that Alabama would lose this football game by 10 points. The way Ole Miss was controlling the game, playing good defense and those sort of things. But then they went ahead and shot themselves in the foot multiple times during that football game. 
and Alabama did not look like Alabama yet. They look like Ole Miss. They did not look like Alabama. And if you watch SEC football, you know what I mean when I said they look like Ole Miss. They look like a good football team that's going to win nine games. They did not look like the national championship Crimson Tide. Which then again leads us to LSU. Is LSU the number one team in the West? They might be, but we're going to find out about Alabama, and I think it's two weeks, if not three, because they got Tennessee this year on the schedule. Um, I think Alabama is still the best team in the West by virtue of their defense, by virtue of their special teams, by virtue of their head coach. Their offense, their offensive line, Failed against Ole Miss again this week. That yeah. those core three yeah. guys that are three hundred and fifty pounds that are supposed to give Milrow the time he needs, they are not helping him. They're more of a liability at this point than they are an asset. And Milrow is clearly uncomfortable in that offensive scheme right now. So they've got to get that figured out with uh, what's his face from Notre Dame, the old quarterback Tommy Reese, and. You know, and Steele has his defense playing extremely well. You know, that that defense of Alabama is playing like defense of Alabama does. And you and I both know it, Terry. Nick Saban's one of the most conservative coaches in the NCAA. If it's a punt situation, they're going to punt unless it's the national title game. And he's got to flip the momentum because Clemson is eating him. Uh, At the end of the day, though, two of those three phases are good enough to win the West. But you need all three phases, defense, offense, special teams, to beat Georgia. Yeah, and I think the story for Alabama and the reason that they are approachable possibly by teams to beat them, and I I leave Georgia out of this because Georgia's at another level, but other teams like Tennessee, again, you know, I don't think Tennessee's as good as they have been or they were last year at least. You know, they're another team with a quarterback change. Um, or LSU, if LSU shows up and plays a really good game, there's the offensive line for Alabama is not as good as it's been. They're not as consistent. They, over the last two years, they have committed a lot of penalties, and they continue to do so. And I mentioned the five touchdowns they've had moved off the board. And then, you know, we talk about Milrow. He's probably going to have more turnovers than most Alabama quarterbacks have had under Nick Saban. You combine those three games, and they're approachable by teams that show up. So it's possible. I still think they're probably the best team in the West, but I don't think they're running away with it. And I think Georgia runs away with it against whoever they play in the championship game. Now, if we want to talk about the East, Tennessee, like I said, is not as good as I as they were last year. Uh, that's a that's a quarterback change kind of thing. Florida, who the hell knows? They looked really good one week. They look, I mean, yeah. twenty two to seven this week against Charlotte. I mean, yeah, they're a week to week team. They're a week, and they dominated Tennessee. I mean, yeah. they set the tone yeah. of that game in Gainesville. That is, I mean, I don't know what to do with them. Kentucky is winning, but I don't know what to do with them either because they're another one of those teams that hasn't really played anybody. So, 
when they start playing somebody, are they going to stick with that or are they going to fall off? I don't know. Kentucky's always kind of like that second level. You know, they could put it on somebody. Um, I don't really expect it, but, you know, I think we're pretty much where we said we were. It looks different, but I think we both agree that Georgia beats Alabama probably in the SEC championship game. All right. So let's move on. I'm going to run through some scores, not to do heavy analysis. We've had a pretty long discussion here. It's been good. Uh, we talked about Alabama, Ole Miss, 27-10 Alabama. We talked about Utah over UCLA, 14-7. to we Let's talked stop about right there, Utah. though, a second. All right. Because we got dis disrespect over Utah was a question. How can we be so disrespectful of Utah? It's not disrespect of Utah. <laughs> It's that their defense is winning them football games. They beat Florida. But to your point you just made, Terry, what Florida team did they beat? Right. Because they handled Florida in the opening week, zero week. They handled Florida. So our fans' question was, how can we be disrespectful of Utah? In no way, shape, or form are Terry and I trying to be disrespectful of Utah. We just, I, in fact, think that Utah is going to be the Pac-12 champion. I do not think that Utah is the best team in the NCAA. I don't think they're a top eight team in the NCAA, but I believe they will be the Pac-10 champ or 12 champion. Excuse me. You know, it's possible. I mean, obviously we have a top 10. That's a small number of teams. Utah got votes from us. We made the decision. We're not giving you the others receiving votes nonsense that the AP shows you. So I will say they got some votes. I'm not going to run down the list of everybody that got votes. We do vote for 15, and they are in that 15. They're not in the top 10. That's just kind of where it fell. Uh, we do think they have a good defense. Uh, we do think they're a solid team. We just felt there were 10 teams better when it came to com combining the scores. Um, let's see. The next game that I have listed here, and we talked about it a little bit, LSU 34, Arkansas 31. Um, and uh -huh. honestly, I put I don't know how to grade either of these teams. One week I think Arkansas is not that good. Then they nearly beat LSU. And then LSU is kind of the opposite of that, you know. Um, I'm As an Auburn fan, I'm hopeful for Arkansas to not be good because I don't see us beating LSU. I'm hoping Arkansas can be a win. But I don't know. Uh, this is pretty confusing at that point. I need them to play more teams so I can really figure this out. Yeah, LSU uh, LSU and Arkansas obviously have that storied rivalry, and you, you would think that that played some into it, but I think there was just a lot of mistakes made in this game. And I think Arkansas punched up. I think they played above their potential. Um, or what expectation they played above their expectation, not their potential, because obviously they have the potential to play well, but they played above what we all thought of them. Um, and Arkansas has been a good football team in the past. I just don't know that they've got all the components, and and Little Rock isn't necessarily a place that you want to go when you've got the other destinations in the SEC. So their recruiting and stuff makes that difficult. But they hung with LSU. And again, Brian Kelly made a couple coaching mistakes or questionable decisions, rather. Let's not call them a mistake because they still won the game. 
What are you doing having to come back against Arkansas, though? That's the part that, you know, is a little bit befuddling. Like, what is it about some of these football teams where they can't, like I said, they can't get out of their own way? I really thought Ole Miss had a chance against Bama. I really did. Because Milroe is not a good quarterback right now. He is not a good Alabama quarterback. But again, we're comparing him to these guys named, oh, I don't know, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Mac Jones, and then some guy named Bryce Young. Do you know know what all four of them have in commentary? They have starting jobs in the NFL. That's what all four of them have in common. Oh, and by the way, they all said roll tide at one time or another. That's what the four of them have in common. But Milroe, Jalen Milroe, is not that quarterback yet. He's not that guy. Brian Kelly is not the coach for LSU. He's not the coach. I said at week one, I'll say at week 12, Brian Kelly is going to cost his team football games because he makes bad decisions and he allows things to go on too long inside of a football game. And we might have gotten a little preview of that against Arkansas this week. You know, one comical thing, um, I heard this week that Sam Pittman deleted his Twitter. And um, <laughs> the final thing was, uh, have you seen that picture of him with um, the Arkansas governor? I guess the governor is um, Huckabee, uh, the daughter of Huckabee. Sarah Sanders Huckabee, yeah. Yeah, so um, so there was a picture of them, and they're calling it the the boob picture because sam pittman's got these giant boobs in the picture and everybody's like who's the guy with the boobs so he got tired of that so he deleted his entire twitter nice (laughs) i love it oh anyway bring a little bit of comedy in here um so let's let me rumble through some of these before we start picking some winners here um washington state 38 35 over oregon state those are two Good teams in the Pac-12 that are overshadowed. Oklahoma, 20. Cincinnati, 6. North Carolina, they keep plugging along. 41-24 over Pittsburgh. Duke, 41-7 over UConn. Miami, 41-7 over Temple. That Florida score we talked about, 22-7 over Charlotte somehow. Syracuse, 29. Army, 16. Kentucky, 45. Vanderbilt, 28. Maryland, I didn't even put the Michigan State score. They beat them, but I didn't have the score here. I didn't document that well. Uh, Louisville stays undefeated. They double up Boston College 56-28. And Missouri, after their big win against Kansas State, they come back and they almost let Memphis beat them. They end up winning 34-27. So that was some notable games from this past week that I wanted to rumble through because we've got several games here that I picked that I think are close enough for us to pick here. Um, We'll go ahead and talk about Auburn and Nebraska. Um, It's not looking pretty for either of these teams this week, is it? No, I think that I think we got two top ten teams playing two not top ten teams, and there better be two country ass whoopings handed out. Otherwise, those two top ten teams aren't going to look so good because we're talking about Georgia, we're talking about Michigan. For those of you playing along at home, 
Nebraska's offense is it's going to be its problem. The defense of Michigan will be too strong. The players are outplay them. Nebraska's defense will keep it close for a little while, but after that, um, and the one advantage is that we're playing in front of 93,000 Nebraska fans. This one isn't in a big house. It's at Tom Osborne Field, so it's a memorial. But Michigan, 21-plus over Nebraska. I'm a realist. I knew this one was a loss no matter what the rest of the kids' schedule looks like. Um, and I think Auburn, unfortunately, Terry, 30-plus. Because well, Georgia it's whatever has, Georgia decides it's going to be at this they point. They have to make they have to make a statement, and like you said, your offense unfortunately has all of a sudden decided they don't want to play football. Your defense looks okay, but if you keep them on the field too long, Georgia's offense is going to do what it does, and that's just wear your team out. Yeah, I do have to correct. I said the Alabama game against Ole Miss was twenty seven ten. That was actually twenty four ten. The Texas A&M win over Auburn was 27-10. And as an Auburn fan, it was hard to watch because Auburn has a decent defense, especially in the secondary. But it's another one of those seasons where we just cannot move the ball. We run the ball a little bit. But, you know, Peyton Thorne comes in from Michigan State and has done nothing at all for us so far this year. Here's a quote from Hugh Freeze. Offensively, we're searching, and we've got to find some answers. We have people open, and we keep missing them. So he's speaking to the fact that we're either not seeing the receivers are open or we're getting too much pressure, and that's pointing to the quarterback and the offensive line. They're just not getting it done. And honestly, my thought process there is that uh, we need to forget about this. This is not working. And we have we have an athletic guy backing him up that um, we should just go put him out there, run the ball, forget about having a big-time passing game this year. It's not happening. It, it, is, it has been pretty pathetic. It, it is just useless to try. Let's run the ball. Let's get the athletes out there, and, and let's see if we can pull some surprise wins. Um, do we think it'll happen this week? Of course not. But there are some other teams ahead of us that, you know, we've got Ole Miss. We've got Arkansas. We've got a Vanderbilt game. You know, let's see if we can get to seven wins and um, do what we can to get there. So it's, um, you know, pretty sad situation Saturday not what you hope for when, when you're trying to build a new program. And it, it's just, we are not there on offense. It's really sad for the defense because they're playing pretty well. Hey, we have that in common. <laughs> it seems to be we're the same. We should play each other. Maybe we'll play in a bowl game. That would be great. You have oh, to man. win six games first, Terry. Put it in reverse. Hey, man, we're winning six. We may not win seven. But we've got Vanderbilt, and we got one more cupcake, and uh, we got Mississippi State. Okay, so uh, watch Mississippi State beat us by two touchdowns after I say that. But anyway, whatever it is, what it is. Okay, where was I? So okay, um, toxic Pegasi update for the week for you guys following along for my son's soccer team. They held on to beat the. The goofy gobbler six five. It was back and forth. 
proud of the guys. Wanted to get a quick toxic Pegasi update in there. But let's talk about the week five slate a little bit more. Games to pick. I have picked five games that I think are worthy of two teams that could compete at some level with each other. I've made my picks. I want to know your picks, Andrew. Utah at Oregon State. How's this one going? So it depends. I think if the if Utah's quarterback makes it back, this game isn't as close. But I'm still going to be invested in Utah. I'm going with the defense. Oregon State's coming off a close one against Washington State. But you know me, Terry, at this point, I'm going to bet on defense. That's the that's the horse that took them to the dance there or the race there in, uh, in Utah. And so we're going with Utah in a close, close one. I'm talking three to seven points is all. Close one in this one. All right. Let's move on to the SEC. Who did you pick? Oh, I pick. I'm sorry, I missed that out, didn't I? So um, I picked Utah. Also, <laughs> we both have Utah on that one. I'll figure this out eventually. A little forgiveness goes a long way. So Utah for both of us in that game. I think Utah's defense is just a little bit too much. Oregon State's good, but um, Utah's a little bit different animal in the Pac-12. You know, Oregon's got a little bit of defense, but Utah's by far the best defense. I'm going with Utah. So now, after I did provide my pick, Florida at Kentucky, I, <sighs> like I said, Florida is inconsistent. I'm going with the home team here, Kentucky, to pull an upset against Florida. Is this is this the inconsistent or consistent week for Florida? Is this the good Florida team showing up or the bad one? Because we're getting about every other one, so you tell me. We'll see, won't we? I mean, it's possible Florida could go to Kentucky and win by three touchdowns. I think Kentucky, though, led by Mark Stoops, has always been that thorn in, in team sides in the SEC. They're going to win eight or nine games, never be in the SEC title game, but they're always going to be always be that team that will spoil your, your chances. I like – Kentucky because at least you know what you're getting with them. With Florida, there's too many variables. So I'll agree with you this time around. I'm going with Kentucky, excuse me, give the home team advantage, and it'll be another close one. So this will be a fun game to watch, I think. I think so. I'm really excited about some of these. I want to know more about Kentucky. Now, Florida is, you know, Florida as a litmus test, if I said that right. Boy, that's hard work. You did. Um, I don't know that they're good in that role, but we're going to find out something. We're going to see if Kentucky can beat them at home. All right, let's move along. Still in the SEC, LSU at Ole Miss. I'm, you know, I've said a lot of things about LSU, but I'm picking them here, even on the road. It's hard not to. That's the bad thing is it's hard not to. Kiffin was on the – Kiffin was on the up. He had the chance against Saban. He failed to deliver in 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 Tuscaloosa. Now they only lost by two touchdowns. But uh, I don't think he has a bounce back big enough to stop LSU. I think this one's another one that comes down to the last possession or two, and it's another close game. But I'm going to give the nod to LSU and we are agreeing way too much this week. This is not a this is not allowable. 
Oh man, did we agree on everything so far? Jerk. Three, three out of three. I said LSU close, close. I think it's Trust a last me. possession game. I got one up my sleeve for later. We got two more oh, games good. to pick. So good. Notre Dame at Duke. I'll Notre Dame first. Notre Dame gets the bounce back, gets the win. Their defense is superior. They're uh, now. Don't get me wrong. Duke beat a very good Clemson football team. And this time is game five now, so they've all got some experience under their belts. But I think Notre Dame is just a superior football team. All right, I agree with you. I'm picking Notre Dame. We're four for four agreeing here. This Here's is where scary. it probably goes sideways. South Carolina at Tennessee. I'm oh, God. I'm picking you... the Gamecocks for my upset of the week. Why do you do this to me, Terrence? It's going to be – Tennessee, it's going to be 17 points. Tennessee gets the big one, and they start rolling toward that game with Alabama. See, we can disagree. I got to pick something that I know. (laughs) It's probably a foolish pick, but there you go. So, since you did not really pick anything, I would say, do you have an upset in your head? That we have not mentioned. I was going to look real quick. I think I think the Ole Miss LSU game has a potential. If you're thinking that LSU has the advantage going into that game, strictly based on the way they're rated, um, but if you give me just a second, oh yeah, I'm gonna pull up the schedule here. I need to insert some like yeah, exactly. Give me my Jeopardy music, bitch. Let's see. Houston, Texas Tech. This is what I'll say about that. That's Dana Holgerson at Houston, along with Texas Tech, whose offensive or whose head coach I don't remember right offhand. That one you talk about an over under of a hundred, Terry. The Houston, Texas Tech game has possibility of go- getting real stupid. Nah, you took all the good ones, Terry. Blame Terry, folks. I'm sitting here scrolling. Just trying to come up with something entertaining for y'all to listen to. A&M-Arkansas is a fun game to go with. I'm going to go Arkansas over A&M. All right. And I'm going to go Clemson over Syracuse. Big. Even though Clemson's a two-loss football team, I think they beat Syracuse pretty big coming off that, that loss to Florida State. All right. Sounds good. Oh, man, that's three on the day. Oh, man, we're going to have to print out some T-shirts. I think, uh, you know, obviously we don't have as great uh, a week as last week, but I think we got some intriguing games here, some chances for teams to show who they are and who they're not. It's been fun, as it always has. I hope we've answered some questions. I know that we haven't pulled anybody on our side necessarily, but it is what it is. That's what we do. We explained it. You don't have to accept it. Just deal with it. Any final thoughts, Andrew? Georgia's number one till they lose, Terry. And dogs win big this weekend. Big. As does Michigan. War damn eagle. And we will see how it goes. It's been fun. Talk to you next time. Love you guys.